ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hi everybody, Brian David Marshall with Top 8 Magic. I'm here with Zvi Moshowitz and Zvi, I need you to uh, boot camp me here. I'm going to play my first Throne of Eldraine Limited today. Uh, I didn't get a chance to go to the pre-release, and I have not had any time this week to play on Arena. So I'm literally going to my pre-release, air quotes, this weekend. Well, luckily, I was at the pre-release, and I have drafted a bunch on Arena, so I am here to help. So the first thing to note is that if you don't have any time, this set might not be for you, because (laughs) he plays pretty slow. Uh, So at the pre-release... I lost the first round uh, because of unfortunate draws, basically. Uh, won the next three to finish three and one with sole possession of third place at the entire pre-release. That's never happened before. Yeah, I mean, normally there would be, you know, like four or five three ones at a small, small right. to medium pre-release. As opposed to, you know, two old pros finishing 301 after drawing in the last round. And apparently only one... Two and one, managing to win a match. <laughs> I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> so, so you're saying lot, lots of games were going to time. Yes. Uh, what, so, what was yeah. causing that? So, food, certainly. Um, everyone is gaining lots of life. Uh, also, a very big lack of ways to break through to get damage in. Uh, boards tending them up a lot. Adventures, so like players always have all this extra stuff going on, which creates lots of chump blockers, creates lots of incremental stuff to fight through, creates a lot of decisions for players to make. I mean, mechanically, yeah. even like you draw a card and now that card you get to play twice. Yeah. Right? You know, you get to go on an adventure, you get to play the creature. So you just have more mechanical actions taken on the same amount of cards drawn. Yeah. Also, just sense. we're also just playing sealed deck, and from what I could tell, the aggressive strategies in the sealed deck just don't have the cards, right? It just don't, doesn't come together. The good control-y strategies, the good mid-rangey, larger strategies are just going to be better. So, you know, why would you try to do 20? Like, you know, doing 20 damage is a thing. Doing 26 damage is a lot harder. Doing 32 damage is really tough, often. Wow. So um, how, how <clears throat> do you think food is a problem for limited or or do you think it's a challenge for limited? so i may have tweeted about the person who approved food as the theme of a limited environment getting baked into a pie slowly <laughs> and i may stand by that uh, i don't know who it is sure. but um yeah i think it's pretty atrocious what this has done to uh, i i literally i'm on arena and where i would previously feel comfortable starting a draft match to try and get some more practice in. I don't feel comfortable anymore because it's going to take so long to finish that match that my wife and kids are going to get angry at me because if they need me for something, it might be a very long time before I'm free when nothing particularly interesting or complex is happening in that match relative to normal. So, so the you know, familiar trope of you know, your, someone's wife or husband saying, hey, when are you going to be done with this match? We've got X task to do. Normally you say, oh, yeah, it'll be a couple minutes. I just, I'm just going to play one match. That's, that's just dragging out. What would have been five is now 10 to 15. Okay. Often. Like, I, I no longer have any confidence. And 
Even worse is the amount of time that you spend in matches that you know are basically over. Where you know you've won or you know you've lost this game. But you have to play it out because you don't know for certain that you've lost or they haven't conceded. <laughs> and you don't get the win if you just quit. <laughs> I got this one. We don't have to play anymore. That's not how it works, unfortunately. You can't just do that. <laughs> so, so that's important because you're going to be playing with time limits. You're in a physical environment and you might run out of time. So, you know, be cognizant of that and, you know, play quickly. Right. You know, watch for slow play. Even if the player person is a perfectly casual person who means well, like you've still got to egg them on a little bit sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, as older married players, time obviously a, a resource for us when we're playing uh, Magic. But that concern aside, are the games fun and interesting? When no one's playing blue, I feel like the games are <laughs> often fine. Again, I feel like there's often this long period where one player, thanks to the cumulative, like when you get to play adventures and get value out of your adventures, when you get to play these pretty value cards, you can often just have so much control, so much of a lead in these games that doesn't translate into a win because of the food, because of the gradual nature of deployment where you're, you know you're 90% plus to win this game and it's not half over yet from time perspective, right? Where you just know it's almost over. Where people are trying to play these decks that have red cards in them or have white cards in them and which you know don't have a late game that can compete with yours. And they've already failed to do damage to you in a timely fashion. It's over, but you have to prove it. This is something that's just occurring to me as we're talking. Do you... You know, we've talked a lot about some of the concessions that... Wizards has clearly made to Magic for Arena. And yet this set, by the way, is really awkward on Arena. Have you tried casting a spell with Adamant? <laughs> no. Have you tried sacrificing a food token? <laughs> no, Have you I... tried being told to sacrifice one of your food tokens? These are not interactions that play the way you would have expected from a polished game ready for release and showcase. Oh, wow. So, like, if I have, for example, if I have a, uh, a witch... Right, that tempting witch that says sacrifice a food token, deal three damage to your, your opponent loses three life, and I have three food tokens that are identical, and I two and tap. It does not just choose an arbitrary identical food token and sacrifice it. It has me click on one. Okay. If I oh right, because it right. doesn't matter which one it is. They, right. If I I guess technically they yeah. have summoning sickness if you animate them, so maybe it does matter. But they're not new. <laughs> None of them are new. If I try to cast a spell that could have adamant. It will no longer auto-tap for me. Okay. It will force me to tap the mana. Oh, see, I, I don't mind that. I, I kind of like that, actually. I, I find it really annoying when, you know, every reasonable tap would provide the adamant. And I still like... <laughs> well, that's fair. I mean, if it's literally five lands, it will just say, okay, I know what you meant to do with your knight. Your knight's in play. But if you have, you know, four forests and two swamps, and you try to cast an adamant knight... You're not sure if it's just going to tap some freaking lands for you, even though every reason, you know, it should, it should at least see what it would do without adamant being a requirement. And if that would just provide the adamant anyway, right. assume you wanted the adamant. And yes, there are situations in which you don't want the adamant to trigger, but I haven't thought of one that has ever come up or was close to coming up in a match for me or my opponent, right? Because the adamant are things like, my creature is bigger. My creature has indestructible. Like, I get a food token. I don't know why I don't want these things. 
And theoretically, it's possible. You can also tap manually first if you really want to, if right. you're afraid of that. And you'll know, no, the game's going to try and give you adamant. If you don't want the adamant, you should do something about that. But, you know, and, and Gilded Goose is a disgrace. Like, where you have to, like, manually tap the goose, manually select the food token, then manually select the color every time. So it's just too fiddly for you? It's really fiddly for a card that's, like, a staple constructed card that people are going to be playing in maybe 20% of their matches. Okay. And, all, and also, I guess when you're saying that the games are also just taking longer, just, I mean, without the mechanical aspect, but just from a tactical aspect, the games are, are, are playing out uh, and going longer. This is just another... It's another way to make the game longer. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But So what I was wondering about, though, about Arena is, do you think, you know, you asked about this sort of decision to include food and to sort of stretch these games out. Do you think that there's some chance that this is a nod towards best of one? Like, hey, you know, people like enjoy best of one. They don't like sideboarding. It's clearly something that is a big part of Arena in terms of how people engage with it. So we're going to make sure that nobody is tempted to play best of three by actively punishing them for trying, so they're well, forced into the best of one queue, and or, then everyone can no, get matches? No, but assuming people are in the best of one queue, right. giving them more gameplay and more um, latitude to get back into the game through some life gain and through some other elements. I I, I don't know. This is just something that occurred it to me. Feel- I don't have a really, yeah. like... Fully fleshed out theory right. about I, I was mainly mocking you rather than mocking <laughs> Wizards. I don't think they mean to strike pe- drive people out of the best of three queue. I, I don't think so. I, I think they've talked about some things to encourage best of one. I don't think that starting people as burly wizards, right, to start giving people commander-style life totals de facto <laughs> is actually even going to accomplish the mission of letting people back into games. It actually feels like the opposite sometimes where because of food, it means that I spend a lot of time not being in a game. Sure. Or my opponent is effectively not in a game. Because, you know, well, unless you take total control of this game, I'm, I have won so many games and lost games because of blue in the mid-20s, at 30s, or effectively at these numbers because of food. And, and those, that's not the best of one experience I want. Right? I want best of one to be, I get to play a quick game, I don't have much of a commitment, I get to move on to the next game when things don't work out. I don't want to be dragged into this weird... 20-minute tactical fight of food tokens grinding against each other. Like, how does that reward me for the type of experience I want when I'm a casual player bang best of one? It doesn't make sense to me at well, all. Well, you're, you're talking about how it might play out in practice, but in theory, maybe you're just... As you go into designing a set, you might be like, oh, okay, it would be kind of cool if people can gain some life and do these things with food and, and get a little bit more play out of their... I don't know. That. Again, I don't know that this is... I, I would point to a much simpler version of that story, which is the story of Throne of Eldraine is going to be our premiere for Arena. We want to premiere two casual players who have never played Magic, who are coming back to Magic, who are not very sophisticated. You know what casual players love? They love gaining life. <laughs> they love doing things that gain them life. So what if we just made them gain a lot of life? Wouldn't that be super awesome for them? Wouldn't they feel great? And... Uh, Maybe they have a point. I think players are probably going to get sick of this pretty quickly, even the casual players. It's not going to be special anymore. It used to be you had to make some effort. And like, ooh, I play Stream of Life. I gained some life. That's not normally something right. I do. Now it's just, yeah, people's life titles go up a bit. Right. It's really funny to actually, con- you know, like we've seen three of these tokens now, right? Like recently. We've seen treasures, which were mana. Yes. Clues, which were cards. And now this, which is life gain. It, it's 
you know, three very different uh, yeah, I, I never got aspects too, of incremental right. advantage. I never got too deep into the treasure or clue environments. I felt like treasures just weren't that exciting. They didn't really have that much impact. Like, they were a small effect. Yeah. Clues, like, they're a thing, and it's nice to draw extra cards. It's nice to put a delay on it, sort of, to make it not overwhelming right away. But, you know, not again, I didn't feel like it was that big a deal, except, you know, it's like, oh, look, tireless trackers in play again. Yay. <laughs> that tireless tracker feel is sort of, I think that's the best parallel that we've ever seen to this environment, to this feel. Because when a tireless tracker comes into play on your opponent's side, and you're playing a deck that doesn't have a way to get commensurate advantage, your opponent just starts drawing extra cards and using those extra cards to find extra lands to draw even more cards. They can't really miss because every land just gets, it turns into another card, which eventually turns into a spell. And so you sort of know you're going to eventually lose this game. Right. In some sense. And he knows he's eventually going to win this game unless something terrible happens. But you got to play it out because nothing is certain. And so you have this long period of time where everybody knows how this game really ends, right? With 90-something percent probability. But you can't really end it. And now we get to experience that unlimited. <laughs> so I think that's a good parallel. But, um, you know, it's important that, you know, your, your draft starts in a few hours. So we should get down to, like, how to actually do something. Right. Uh, so Magic has traditionally five colors. And I think that's a good choice. <laughs> uh, Throne of Eldraine, it's more like something between two and three and a half. So uh, let's, let's go over what the colors do. So, first of all, blue mills people, and it stalls for time. Right. And that's basically all it does. There's a white-blue artifact enchantment deck that's supposed to exist that I have gotten once, but mostly the blue cards that are good are focused on milling your opponent out. Uh, I have yet to take serious damage from cards that are blue, or be any, under any serious danger of dying to a deck that contained islands without being completely minus screwed in the process. I have only been milled. I've lost matches, but I've never died. Dying is not a thing. That's not just because I had a bunch of food most of the time. Dying is just not a thing. I've never taken serious damage from blue cards. It's just not how it works. Like, those blue decks aren't playable, as far as I can tell. So, if you're playing blue, be very clear on whether or not you're actually killing your opponent, and if you're not, I hope you're pairing it with white to get the artifact enchantment deck with a splash of blue, because otherwise I don't understand what you're doing. Um, white, other than the deck we're talking other than perhaps this deck we're talking about, white seems unplayable to me. Just okay. Out, like, I don't see what white does. If you look at the white cards, they don't have very much power and toughness. With all the food running around, trying to nibble your opponent to death with these types of strategies, it doesn't seem like a viable way to go about doing your business. I don't see the synergies that are going to come together that are going to let you get major advantage. I just don't see why this is a thing. Like, obviously, draft is self-balancing, but I'm not sure if I get white alone at a table if I'm happy or sad. So, so what's the best white common for you? Is it, is it trapped in a tower? Yes, I think that's not even close. Okay. Um, you're going to face a lot of very powerful white... Very powerful creatures are going to be around... Um, including activated abilities. Trap in the Tower handles a lot of things that are just knockout blows for you. Uh, that card is just very good. Um, I'm also happy with Ardenvale's Tactician. Uh, you get to tap down their creatures to get through or to stop them from attacking. And a 2-3 Flyer for 3 mana is a pretty big game in this format in some sense because there just aren't that many Flyers running around. 2-3 is actually kind of big enough to rule the air reasonably often. Um, Flutterfox 
if you are playing a white deck that's worth playing, Flutter Fox has flying. So it's a two mana, two two flyer. That sounds, awesome. sounds awesome. Which is in theory pretty exciting. Right. In, uh, in theory, we've generally paid WW for that too, right? Yeah, so. yeah, no, you have to do a little work, but it's that, that's pretty exciting. And uh, Garrison Griffin is a card. Uh, interestingly, I don't think I've ever Quite seen the endorsement. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen it in a booster, like on Arena. I've done a number of drafts. I don't mean I haven't taken it. I mean I literally just never seen it in a booster pack, and I've never seen my opponent play one. I'm, I'm not. So are we showing this is in the set? I'm not seeing this on my. On oh, my... it's card three hundred five. It's not in the set. That that makes sense. So I was okay. like, I was about maybe white is playable. It has Garrison Griffin, but no, it doesn't actually have Garrison Griffin, which makes more sense. That's why it's not playable. <laughs> All right, so. Um, so you've got so like I mean what have these like, I gotta tell you, Zvi yeah. was so freaked out when he was looking through the spoiler and he's like, How have I A not drafted this card? How have I B not lost to this card? White is much better Not just not lost to it, never seen it. Right, never even seen it, yeah. So, just, right. I so, mean do you think do you think white's that is it is it something where white could be that close? Like one or two cards would make it that much more well, playable for it's you? It's not that it's exactly the card that white needed at common because it's a flyer, and White is trying to fly over people implicitly to try and kill them where their toughness and their, their stuff doesn't matter, and it brings another flyer with it, and White has enough knights to realistically take like an Ardenville Paladin into the air or something, smack you for five every turn, and now maybe we can beat the food. Maybe we can, in fact, make this happen. So if we cut, you know, fortifying provisions from the set or something and substitute it, or, you know, and substitute it that, or cut shining armor, or something. One of these cards that just clearly isn't doing anything. Now, yeah, I think it's a lot closer. But like, because it would be, you know, the second best white common, right? Right. It would right. be behind trapped in the tower, and maybe it would be the best white common because right. it's just exactly what you actually need to be doing. How, how does something like Youthful Knight uh, stack up for you? Like, it's a card. It's a common. It's pretty good stat. You know, stat for cost ratio. Uh, pretty good ability and plays into a theme of the set. It seems like there seems like the kind of common that based on what I've seen and talked about about the cards, that I'd be looking at this card early on in my packs in a draft. So to me, this is a trap, right? It looks like exactly what you want. It looks like it's a two drop. It has first strike, which is nice. It counts as a knight. It helps you curve out. The problem being, you will be eclipsed where it matters in size. You do not have evasion. And you're using up a card on something that only hits for two. And in a world where you're facing down a lot of life points and a bunch of toughness, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't block that well, right? right? Unless it's in multiples. It's just, it's just not very exciting. I mean, you can try to make it happen because you draft a bunch of Silver Flame Squires and you pump it up when they try and block it. There are things you can do, and you need your two drop. It's not like you don't want it in your deck, right? right. If you're playing white, you want it in your deck. It's just this is not how you win. This is not going to get you where you need to be. So, like, when you look at this, and also just White has a bunch of bad cards. It has Beloved Princess, which is unplayable. Right? It's just a 1-1 one, one lifelinker that actually has a reasonable number of good ways to block it in the set. Right. You know, it has Shining Armor, which I have tried to make happen because White needs some help, <laughs> and it did not happen. You know, I am not a particular fan of Silver Flame Ritual. I understand this is what White is trying to do, and I did lose a game to it looking pretty impressive, but... You know, if you spend four mana and you get four power and four toughness out of this, that's kind of the best case scenario, and it doesn't seem to be that impressive to me. Like, you know, outflank is okay. I've learned to use my tricks before blocking against white for this reason. 
Um, fortifying provision seems pretty frigging terrible. Like, white just isn't going to get enough from a toughness point to be able to actually fight. Right. Right. So, like, you're just wasting a card. Bartered cow is, you know, it's a hill giant with a little bit of a food, but, like, compare this to green, who has a 4 4 common that creates a food when it comes into play and has trample. How, how weak does white need to be for you to play bartered cow? It's about that week. I've had Bartered Cow in multiple decks, one of which won the full six matches okay. on Arena. They had three Tacklin Towers in it, and it was doing oh, other okay. things. I just needed anything to have power. That's the problem is, like, you're playing these cards to try and scrape together a deck that can fight. And so you have this very narrow window where you might be able to make something happen before you just get overpowered by people who are doing better things. Like, you have very little control over the game. You know, you're trying to do things like I Theory Guidemother my guy to your face slash deploy a 1-1 fire on turn one and hope for the best. You're trying to play your 3-6 Ardendale Paladin as your, like, your big beefy guy that holds the ground and hoping it doesn't just get trumped by something with plus one plus one counters on it or you know growth or something. You're trying to make Silver Flame Squire happen but then you left with a 2-1 that doesn't do anything on the back end so you've basically just gotten your own like mighty leap that doesn't give you flying most of the time. Although the untapped fart might be useful sometimes I guess. Like, True Love's Kiss is fine. I'd rather have Back to Nature most of the time, based on the way the game plays. Prize Griffin is, like, good, but again, it's like, they just have so much time that by the time Prize Griffin actually kills people, you've died to something else, because, like, a food buys you a full turn against Prize Griffin. So, like, there's some cards here. It just doesn't, I don't think it adds up to anything. I don't know how to draft these decks in a way that makes me excited to play them. And, you know, unless I get a bunch of good rares... What am I even doing? And if I do, these cards don't help me accomplish what the good rares are pointing me towards. Because the good rares are pointing me towards something, you know, generally towards something else. Okay. So I'm pretty unexcited. What about blue? All I right. know, I know, and I know. When we, generally, when we talk about limited, we talk about commons. Yeah. But I know there's a rare that has been um, your 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 bane. I think about ha- about half the games I've lost to blue have been to Folio of fancies, <laughs> and only some of that is because I draw first. Because. <laughs> See, I, I just want to play games and learn how the set works, and also I win a lot more often when I'm drawing first because there's no mana fixing in the set. Mm. And the games are slow, there's lots of food. So just making sure that I have a solid draw against right. players whose decks are probably not that solidified Make sure you have generally pretty great. cast your adventures on both sides. And- right, right. Just, just cur- time everything correctly, get adamant when I want it, you know, make sure nothing bad happens. Unless you're up against a blue mill deck. That's wonderful. If I forget the blue mill deck, that half turn's going to cost you, you know, if they have folio of fancies. Because if they go folio of fancies on turn, one, on turn two, and they literally do nothing but play islands and use folio, it's not obvious that you're winning this game, right? Because they can even end the game with the, you know, your end step, you draw a bunch of cards, untap mill you again, or untap, draw more cards to force the issue. So emptying your hand doesn't stop the bleeding, you have to assemble a lot of damage remarkably quickly for limited. If you miss, like, your two-drop, it's deadly. The worst games are the ones where, like, they've played a bunch of zero fours to buy some time and since so tinies, but never really did anything of any value. You're trying to deploy stuff, but, like, you drew eight lands, and you just can't get your lands out of your hand fast enough, and the folio kills you because of it. And you just hate your life. So when you talk about the O fours, you mean Merfolk, uh, Secret Keeper? Yeah, Secret Keeper. So, um... Have you seen anyone play this against you on turn one as an 04, or do they always... I get to see an 04 to play on turn one. It's not that there isn't a... There, there are, there are going to be people who play this card as a 04 index that are not trying to mill you and, they're, and, don't, and don't have so tiny. 
and don't have other cards that trigger off of the seven cards in your yard, and therefore there's no reason to give this other person a graveyard. But I think it's pretty rare. I think that most of the time you're playing this card because you want to venture deeper. Now, have you drafted the Meldak yet? Have you? I have not. Uh, it's a it's the kind of thing that like you have to dedicate yourself to pretty hard. If I opened a folio, I would absolutely go for it immediately, no matter what, in pack one, just to learn. Right. Um, what What does the rest of the deck tend to look like beyond the secret so like, and and the sort of dream rare you know folio? I like how you think there's the rest of the deck. Uh, <laughs> there kind of isn't. Uh, so didn't say didn't say so. I'm sorry. Thought capture. Sure. Sure. Um, we're going to embargo the... the I, I don't know what we're talking... The talk smirking joke of that for, for... I mean, let's just say it's the first round of the pre-release, right? <laughs> my opponent has two islands and another land untapped. I go to cast my spell and I say, please? <laughs> just because I know that Eric, the judge, is right there, and I just want to see the look on his face, because he knows what's about to happen if this gets countered. That's that's the only reason. I just said I just want to be the first one to do this, and he's like, "Yeah, I understand." <laughs> and then we can move on with our lives. But yeah, um, it's just exactly the you know the, the kind of name that's funny once, right? And then bodies are going to drop, right? Like <laughs> not by me, but they yes. are. So didn't say please is good because it mills three cards and counters a spell and buys you time. It's exactly what you want. Um, Charm sleep. I haven't actually seen people play it very much, but like it's obviously a great card because it just stops things from killing you. So Tiny is very, very good because So Tiny costs one mana. If you're doing your job, it's minus six, minus zero. It basically nullifies their four or five drop, buys you a full turn uh, where you're not dying. Uh, opt is always fun because Opt finds you the things you want. So there's, there's some reasonable commons that play into what you want to do. Like two, tome, sorry, there's a fairy that cantrip that costs three <laughs> mana and that's a chump blocker, stops a flyer maybe. Uh, run away together. I was gonna say, run away together seems like a, a card I want to play in general, but like in the mill deck where you're, you know, looking to recycle your your merfolk secret keepers, um, this card seems fantastic. I have been slow you yeah. down and then mill four again. I've been deeply unimpressed by run away together that isn't bouncing a zero four. <laughs> it feels terrible for my opponent. That's all I want to do with this. I understand that, and I'm saying, if you have enough zero fours, this card is another zero four. Uh, I'm not lying. I might first pick a Merfolk Secret Keeper tonight. I don't think that's unreasonable. I think that, you know, the best blue common for that deck is the zero four, and it's not remotely close. Wow. And if you don't have enough Merfolk Secret Keepers that you're drafting that deck, why are you even playing blue? You should <laughs> abandon the color entirely. So if I was going to start with a blue card, I think Secret Keep Blue Common. I think Secret Keeper is my favorite card to start with, even though like Charm Sleep is obviously a vastly superior Magic card. What what, what colors are you? What colors are you seeing paired with the, the the mill portion of the blue deck? I assume black is pretty good here. I think black is the best by default. Black gives you a number of good removal spells. It lets you recursive forever young. Ooh, forever younging a bunch of Merfolk Secret Keepers. That's definitely a thing. So is the green double, you know, the, the green restock is, sure. is pretty sweet. That I had an opponent do literally nothing but play zero fours, bounce them, and restock them, <laughs> and win the game. And I was like, why did I even spend the last 20 minutes playing this match, I'm, right? I'm not like, going to lie. That sounds dreamy. It, it, <laughs> it was more nightmarish because I was not that person. I was the other guy, and I lost that game, and Nightma I was not Night happy. Nightmares are a kind of dream. They are. So the thing about blue is that it's just, it's not deep. It has a lot of cards that just don't do anything you want them to do, 
right? So like if you look at this set, like card or monitor, card or monitor, like in theory, you're playing the white blue artifact deck, you think, well, it's an artifact, it untaps something, it's a one four for two mana, which holds the ground pretty well while you fly over the guy. But what it actually is, is another creature that doesn't really win a fight and doesn't kill them. Sure. So even in that deck, so far as I can tell, I've been unimpressed. Uh, Mistboard River Turtle is a lot of mana to get a 1-5. How about Frogify? Seems like a solid... Sorry, which card? Frogify. Oh, it's an uncommon, not a... Oh, yeah, Frogify is good. But like you also have Mantle of Tides, which is just not a magic card. <laughs> like, let's not pretend it is a magic card. You have Moonlit Scavengers, which, you know, I've tried to make happen. And is like decidedly Thorry in the full white-blue artifact deck where it always triggers. Yeah. Like, it's okay, I guess. Um, Queen of Ice seems pretty mediocre every time I see it played. Okay. Like, you know, Steelgaze Griffin is like... You just can't make the draw-two thing really happen like the way you'd like it to, and it's not... It's a, it's a temporary effect, so, like, what are you going to do? Hit them for four? Twice? <laughs> They're not dead! They're not close to dead. They're at, like, 18. Like, what's the point? You know, you can't block with Steel Gaze Griffin in any useful way, right? Like, it's not a good... It's 2-4 for 5. It's a bad blocker. And then, if you are getting it to be powerful, well, are you attacking with it? If not, like, what's going on here, right? It doesn't seem like it's doing anything. Uh, Ventress, Paladin... There's no other reason to be really heavy blue in terms of your mana. Yeah. Unless you're being super heavy mill, at which point a 3-3 flyer for four mana just isn't that relevant to your interest. It's a fine card. You'd, you know, if you had, like, 11 islands, you'd probably use it as filler. But, like, you don't want to spend four mana on that. You want to spend it on doing the thing you're trying to do. So there's just so many cards in the set that are just not what you're looking for. You know, like, wish, Wishful Merfolk? Like, okay, it's, I guess it trades? Sure. I mean, that's what it seems... I mean, this seems like fine, you know... Battlefield filler for the mill deck. Right? Yeah, I just like, happen to just trade with it. And... I've never seen it in play. Like nobody's ever tried to do that. I guess it'd be fine, but like what the blue players are doing, it's just on, like a mode of piranhas. Yeah, what the blue players thing. are doing on arena, as far as I can tell, is they're just drafting so tiny, run away together, <laughs> opt, merfolk secret keeper, and didn't say please. <laughs> and they would draft trap or sleep, but it's being first picked by the bots. So they don't get to. Okay. Um, how, how do you like witching well? I love witching well. Okay. Like, Witching Well was the card that made me tempted to try and make blue happen. Because Witching Well is a ridiculously strong magic card, right? Like, I think that, if anything, we're sleeping on it as a constructed card. Okay. Um, because scry, you know, turn one, scry two is actually a pretty strong first turn. It's just that you're down a card sucks. But actually, you're up a card, because eventually this will turn into two cards <laughs> when you want it to. Right. And, and counts for various other things that you might want in terms of permanence on the battlefield. Yeah, this is, seems like exactly the thing that I want to do at the stage of the game that I want to do it. Like, in games where my mana's tight, I got to scry two for, two for one mana and find my lands or find my cheap spells. And if mana's not tight, I could do cards for a total of five mana, one of which was probably free. So you're, you're blue above white so far, I guess, in this. Well, blue does... So it's like, you know, white does zero things. Blue does one thing. One thing, okay. one thing is much better than zero things. So if we get, when we get to red, we'll also see a color that sort of does one thing. And I think I'm going to skip black to go to red next. Okay. Just to get them out of the way before we get to the good colors. And, and, and red is the color that you're supposed to be pairing 
with blue if you're trying to do the draw two cards thing, I assume. That's not a thing. I like, think yeah. it's supposed to be. In yeah. theory, yeah, there's a signpost card that says you're supposed to do this, but like the problem is that like mo- all most of the good blue cards are just trying to mow you out, and all of the red cards are just trying to kill you. So you gotta pick a side. We're <laughs> or, right? I like the kill you side. Well, I like the mill you side. Yeah, so basically if you if you're not trying to mill them and you're playing blue, how many cards are left that you can draft? And the answer is not very many. Right. As far as I can tell. So you go to red, and you see a very clear theme, which is Hulk Smash. Right? Okay. Like Hulk Smash with knights in particular. And if you're not interested in this, then the color is not really that interested in you. <laughs> okay. As far as I can tell. So, like, look at the comments. Like, barge in. Target attacking creature gets plus two, plus two. You know, aggressive two drop. Blood haze, you know, blood haze wolverine. Blow your house down. Creatures can't block. Destroy them with their walls. That's, you know, the falter effect, right? right? Sweet falter effect. Brimstone trebuchet. Technically, it's a wall. Actually, it's a way to ping them. Right? Sure. And the fact that it technically might block in some universe has never come up in any of my games. <laughs> it's literally just an artifact that pings them for one. And you kind of rather it just be a non-creature artifact because then it wouldn't have something to this and they'd be at one less life. I, I did see that this was the, <laughs> this was the card that uh, has secret reach in the format. Right? There's always a card where you get some free win because your opponent attacks with a one toughness flyer. You block it. They didn't realize that the Brimstone Trebuchet could block. And then they snap concede. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, but like, just, just look at just how blatant all of this is, right? Crystal Slipper, creature gains haste. Em- Ember of Paladin, hasty guy that has a lot more power than toughness. Sure. Fling, any questions? <laughs> right? Like, sorry, uh, clicking to the next page, we get, you know, Merchant of the Veil is an actual, like, magic card that, like, draws you cards for discarding cards and does stuff. Right. It's a magic card. Ogre Errant. I guess Merchant of the Veil is probably your key card in that drop two deck. It is. It just isn't Uh, a deck. Yeah. Right, yeah. Ogre Errant, again, clearly wants you to be attacking, gives other knights menace, right? Even though it has 3-4, that's kind of so that they don't block it and kill it, so you can keep giving other guys menace. It's actually attacking better because it's got more toughness. Uh, Raging Redcap seems like a very key card because it's a knight that you can then pump up and try to actually kill someone because it has double strike. So even though it looks like not much, like it seems like it's a pretty focused guy, Redcap Raiders has a when this attacks, you may do things clause on it and has more power than toughness. Rimrock Knight pumps power and can't block. Torching Dragonfire is an actual removal spell. It's an actual magic card. So is Searing Barrage. Uh, Seven Dwarves. I mean, I hope someone makes this happen. I really do. I will smile so much, but so far, no luck. Um, Throw of Possibility. Again, it's a magic card for the draw two deck. It just, sure. you know, doesn't. And then Wheel Cap Red Cap is, you know, very, very aggressive, effectively. So Red literally doesn't have defensive cards. It has only aggressive cards except for Merchant of the Veil, which is still a pretty good card for those decks because, like, once you draw your, your four lands right. or whatever it is, you want to get rid of everything else. So if you're playing Red, you know, you only have one option, right? You're going to play this hyper-aggressive strategy. You can pair it with any number of things, but... It has felt like, from what I've seen, because you need to use the, the trebuchet and you need to take advantage of Ogre Errant's night effect and a few other similar night effects to make this work, you will have to pair off a night color and you have to be playing knights actively, drafting knights. 
right. to make this happen. Like, red-green is technically supposed to be non-humans in some sense, but I think it just has to be knights anyway. <laughs> right? No matter what you want. And also, you have this non-human text on some of these cards. So you have this problem of, like, the Ember of Paladin, like, kind of doesn't play in a number of situations because he's human. And you have to worry about this human text on a bunch of other cards. But just in general, like, a bunch of these cards just don't seem like they're relevantly playable, right? Like, blowing your house down against a food deck sure. is just not a strategy, right? Like, you just don't have enough damage, especially when you're trying to use trebuchet. Well, when you think about, when you think about a card like Falter, right? Yeah. It's, Falter is really about philosophy of fire, kind of. It, it's not quite that, but, I mean, it's really about, like, I am going to get 20 damage through. And it's also about I'm going to have a lot of power. And, and I'm going to do this, and this is going to be the card that gets me across the finish line. Right. But it's never about getting 30 damage across. No. Or 26 damage across, even, right? Like, right, but you also have the problem of it costs three mana. So now it's like, I want to use my pump spells, like on my double striker or something, to try and actually get through. And I just don't have enough mana left to do my thing. You know, even if I wanted to. It just, it's just so painful that, like, a lot of these cards, you know, like these... Red commons, like, a lot of these just aren't playable even in the aggro deck. And in the... And outside of the aggro deck, you know, what do you have? You have Merchant of the Veil, you have Barrage and Dragonfire, cool, and Throw of Possibility, and, like, some creatures that don't do what you want them to do, basically, as far as I can tell. All cards I will draft, right? Like... No, I mean, I'm advising you not to because they're red, but... <laughs> okay, well, you know, I if I was... If they weren't red... Sure. But you're, but you're saying, like, so, you know, looking at, like, some of the red removal spells, like, normally um, a card like Scorching Dragonfire in Limited would be a card you would, you would pick fairly highly. Yeah, but you don't... Uh, but, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, what I'm saying is this is, like, a card that, that does a thing you, you want in Limited, right? It's Look, like, it's a wonderful card. It's still... Everything it used to be, it still is. Right. Well, right? it doesn't hit players, but yeah. I mean... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's another example of the set not doing what you want it to do. But 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 you're saying you would look elsewhere rather than take a good red removal spell because red's narrow enough. Also, the mana sucks. That's important okay. too because okay. in the past, whenever you took like Caravax Torch is the original offender, or Fireball even the real original original offender. But if you take you know a sh- if you take an in- an incinerate type, you know, a, a damage spell, any kind of removal spell in red, or you end up taking a second one or whatever, there's always in the back of your mind, well, if I get even one or two dual lands or ways to fix my mana, maybe I'll just splash it off a mountain or two, okay. right, or something. I can get this effect and I can get what this deck needs because it's hard to get removal and maybe it's worth it. That's a non-starter in Throne, right? In okay. Throne, you know, there's an article that came out today on Star City that said, I hate having a 9-8 mana base. <laughs> Something is deeply wrong with a 9-8 mana base in this format. And I think he's right. right? If you are not 10-7 with your 17 lands or 11-6, or you probably drafted in a way that was wrong. So you really want to bias towards one color? Support. Because of adamant. Yeah. Right? And because you just can't afford to be missing these things. And I think 9-8's not that disastrous in a pinch, obviously. 9-8 with a golden egg is absolutely fine. And obviously but... less disastrous if you don't have adamant cards. But Oh, sure. I mean, if you don't happen to have any reason to need it, it's yeah. fine. But you're, there's a lot of them, right? Like, especially the ones that I want to be playing. But, like, again, I see, like, a lot of red cards here that, like, aren't playable even in the aggressive deck, right? Like, I don't think, I don't think Fling really does play right now, given how these decks are assembling, because I don't see where the power comes from to use it. 
I don't see how Crystal Slipper is a Warfile Magic card. I don't see how Barjun is a Warfile Magic card. I don't see how Blow Your House then is a reasonable Magic card. Like, there's just a lot of blanks. Like, even for the deck that you're trying to run. And so, you know, I just don't see this coming together pretty much at all. Um, I think people try. Every time I play against Red, it's just like, don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die, don't die. You know, don't attack prematurely. You have too many guys. Don't let him have any extra damage in. Sacrifice your food aggressively to make sure that you don't randomly die. Right. But that's partly because I'm just so overconfident. I'm so confident, you know, maybe overconfident, that the long game is just fundamentally unscary. Right? Um, and so now we move on to, you know, what I might call the good colors. <laughs> so you, you have red and blue now at one thing apiece. Right. You have white at zero things. Right. And now black. Black does the things, right? Okay. Black does the things like attacking, blocking, killing, hitting your hand, getting cards back. It does the things that black traditionally does. Uh, it definitely has some pieces I'm not thrilled with, and I think people are overplaying. But you know, black is very, very solid. So, like, I'm assuming baked in a pie, baked into a pie, just remains. Is it best black common? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's obviously the best black common. Right. This would be a classic first pick for me from any in any draft. I mean, if you told me I'm picking a common first, what is it? I get to choose it's big into a pie. Okay. Like it doesn't seem like it's that close even. Like, right. like it might be close in terms of like how happy I actually am in terms of my prospects, but like it's like an obviously correct choice, right? Uh Reef Soul is the other black common removal spell. Um the bots are sleeping on this card for no apparent reason. I don't get. How you, I don't understand how you get this one wrong. Like uh, Sam Black posted a deck list with five Reef Souls in it okay. to say maybe the bots need some tuning. Because the oh. thing is that, like, at first I saw a Reef Soul tabling with the bots, and I'm like, maybe it's bad in this format. I'm just being foolish because I wasn't drafting black. I just saw it table a bunch, and then no, no, the bots are just wrong. Like, of course, it's exactly as good as you think it is. It's right. an amazing card. It's a removal spell. It's efficient, takes care of what you need. So you get your two black removal spells. That starts you off right, right? Two solid black common removal spells. And then, you know, you've got a solid set of cards that can complement what you want to be doing, that lets you, in general, like control the game and eke out some advantage, and plays towards pretty much whatever type of game you want to be playing. Um, so the odd man out kind of is eye collector, because, you know, Earth to all magic players who do not already know this by instinct, unless you are planning to actually deck me, don't play this card. <laughs> if you are planning to actually deck me, absolutely play this card. Yes. Right? Because it's going to mill me for a few slash chump block afterwards. That's not bad. But, like, no. Do not play a 1-1 one, one flyer that doesn't do anything. Or, or, or might actively do something bad. It in might. In the sense of, like... For, you know, like, they might I'm, be milling you. Right. Sometimes I'm happy when a player is putting cards into my library. Right. Or they might be, into my graveyard. Or they might be blue and deck you. So, like, just stay away from this. Um, Festive Funeral, also, this card is not good. Like, it's a removal spell. It looks like, oh, it costs five, but it'll kill things. And it turns out that I spent a large number of games when I was trying to make this happen with this card being like, I just won the game and this card is in my hand because I had one card in my graveyard. <laughs> the entire game. That's why you have to self-mill yourself with the Secret Keeper. Well, I'm not prepared to do that. So, <laughs> you know, just... Sometimes you can make this happen, maybe, I guess, but I really don't think that by default this card happens. Um, unless you are actively doing work. Um, what, what, what about a card 
Um, where did it go? And a giant skewer is just ridiculously slow. Like, you know, people are playing it against me every time that they play it. It feels like, you know, oh, a moment's peace. <sighs> I can relax for a bit, right? Like, we'll take care of this later. In, in a slower format <laughs> like this yeah. that you described, how do you feel about a card like Reaper of Night? So Reaper of Night is a very interesting magic card because late in the game, you both got them for two cards, and then you brought out a four or five, but they have to hold three cards in their hand or it's going to fly when it attacks, and four or five flyers kill people. Yeah. So it's a very powerful way to win the long game, and I think a lot of why I like black is having that option. So like I really want it in... So like the same way you... It's kind of the equivalent of I'd want, I want to say I want this in my 75 because in some matchups I'm very happy to have it. Where if I think we're going to be grinding against each other to win this game, then I'm really happy to play Reaper of Night, right? If I don't think I have to worry about being tempoed out in some form. Um, and in general, it's, you know, if I ever have to fill out a deck, I can always fill it out with Reaper. Or if I just feel like the deck got underpowered, right? If I feel like I didn't get the other things I wanted to do, my deck doesn't win a long game, I can put in Reaper of Night and suddenly I am winning long games I wasn't winning before. Um, however, you don't want to be reliant on this plan in matchups where it doesn't do anything. And also, like, when you're playing against the blue decks, you know, they, they're generally going to have two cards that aren't relevant. Right. You're taking a turn off to do very little, and by the time the seven drop comes down, it's just, the game's going to end before it kills you. Sure. Kills them. So, you're not that excited, but it's a great option to have, right, if, in the right matchup. So, I, I love having it. Memory Theft is very similar. Like, it's a very good anti-green card in particular, um, and it's a great anti-bomb card. Sure. Right? Just making sure that nothing too terrible happens to you. Like, it's a coercion that makes the card really go away. Um, so um, two, two of the cards that uh, you, you mentioned, Tempting Witch, earlier. Is this, is this like a legitimate way to end a game? Yes. Okay. Uh, if you are playing green especially, you will often naturally have two or three food tokens if you're not sacrificing them. And if you know that the game's going to go long enough that you have the mana to sacrifice them later, if you need to, you can just hold on to them. And now you have this tremendous flex where you have this nine life points that you can just throw at your opponent if you feel like it. And they can't ever go down below that point because you, can't just, you don't just get to throw the one food token that it makes at them. You can just throw any number of food tokens. But like, a three drop that's one three and does three to them? Not bad. Right. But the ability to do six or nine or 12. And also in multiples, this thing is scary. Yep. I had a deck of four tempting witches. So, like, at one point, you're just, like, in the middle of the game. You just finish doing your other stuff, and you're, like, attacking. And he's, like, okay, I'm at 12. I'm, like, tempting witch, tempting witch, go with four food tokens. <laughs> so I had two before. And he's, like, hmm. Huh. They I have to win this game quick, don't I? They don't stack, but you just get multiple activations. Right. You just have multiple turns to do this in. Yeah. Like, it's not, it's not in a rush. So... Yeah, you know, Black just sort of gives you the the tools that a lot of tools that you like. Like Forever Young is an example of a card that like you don't really need, but it helps answer mill decks. And if you ever need an inevitability or just a little extra push at not very much cost, like you can cycle it for two mana on turn two if you and don't if, have anything going on. And if you're the mill deck, yes, you mill back your zero fours, which yeah. is always which is always yeah. welcome. A uh, card, card yeah. I want to ask about is yeah. Re- Re- Revenge of Ravens. This is a card that went from very underrated to now possibly overrated to what is the correct rating? <laughs> like, where where do you have this card in, in, in this limited format? The first day, I actively lost multiple matches that didn't feel like I could lose them 
otherwise without some bomb coming out because he played Ravens and then like, I just didn't have the ability to actually get through for substantial damage without killing myself. It was just another speed bump in the game. And then I realized I should stop playing white cards. <laughs> I mean, I'm not even kidding. Sure. And like some, trying to kill them with blue cards and, and stuff that had two and three power. Because if you look at the green cards, which we'll get to in a minute, or you look at like some of the good synergies with the, good, with the ways that you're supposed to be playing the black cards, I think, and, and you're going to be attacking with much bigger creatures more often at which point Revenge of Ravens doesn't actually stop them from winning. And it doesn't play offense, obviously, except insofar as if you get them low enough, then they have to do some damage to themselves to kill you. And so it's effectively drains them for a bit. But it increases the number of things that can go wrong in some important sense when you put it in your deck. And when they play it, it often means that they will just get overpowered otherwise. And so, you know, the game is closer, but they still lose it. Um, so I have been, I've gone from making it, ha- make, hating my life every time I play against it to realizing that I'm not putting it in my decks when I draft it. And then it's not that there aren't ways to put it in, times to put it in. It's definitely going to be very powerful sometimes. And multiples is really scary because if you get two of this thing down, definitely it's a four point swing everything, anytime, anything, anything attacks. So like a, a four power attacker doesn't do anything right. on net. Right. You need five to start making any progress. And if they chump lock it, like now you're down four point swing. So, like, you kind of haven't, can't win the game anymore. I mean, it's just, it's a pretty good way to punish people who are trying to, like, fight over with small guys or something, right? Like, it's, but it's a niche card. Again, there's a lot of blue decks that don't try to kill you, so I don't think you can main deck it very often. But, like, picking it up for the sideboard is pretty sweet. Um, how, how many things just would you say black does if we're just tallying by thing? I mean, it kills things, right? It, like, plays a solid set of creatures that like do a good combination of like holding the ground early and like giving you flexibility and like letting you, you know, do a bunch of, you know, scry and reach and durability does discard if you want it to. Um, it often gains life because this, the, the Smith, the sword master is a card you can use a lot of synergies with. Um, it draw, I mean, it even draws cards with forbidding with the foreboding fruit. Sometimes, you know, to go with the Forever Young thing, so it often, like, gives you, like, long-term card advantage. Um, it just kind of maneuvers you to where you want to be. Is it the best color? I don't think so. I think green's the best color. Okay. That, yeah. All right. Well, let's, let's talk about green, then. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I feel like, you know, black has the better high end of the commons, slash probably the better rares or something like that, but, like... I am loving... I mean, I, I think I have a bias in favor of green these days. Um, but also that could be an artifact somewhat of like playing as bad players. Where if you assemble a good green deck in this format, it feels like bad players who are not milling you just can't beat you. Sure. Um, so like green doesn't have anything super flashy. right? Green doesn't have um, multiple good removal spells. But it does have one removal spell. Like... Making you a pie is obviously the best removal spell in the format because it's a four mana hard removal spell as an instant that gives you a bonus. But Outmuscle can give it a run for its money. Okay. Because uh, Outmuscle, the chance of them being able to respond is very low. Like in practice, people just don't respond. Sure. If you can adamant this thing, it is just a hard removal spell with any reasonable green deck. Right In practice, most of the time you have something big enough and the plus one, plus one counter and then ability to attack with the creature that is currently indestructible and they can't meaningfully block it. They've got an extra point of power and can't die this turn. Is a remarkably annoying bonus. 
So green, strangely, gets, you know, the second best removal spell at common behind that. Because I think this is better than Resoul. Okay. Uh, in a strictly objective form. And then, you know, white has one trick as an adventurer to give plus two, plus two. But it's kind of on a bad card because, like, it's a two-drop vanilla 2-1 if you play it on turn two. And then if you play it after you made the trick happen, it's just not very impactful. So getting the back end just doesn't do very much. And so, you know, I mean, Garenberg Carver is strangely feels better to me. It gives you a 3-2 afterwards, which plays better than, substantially better than a 2-1, even though it costs four instead of two to play it. Although missing the, the opportunity to play a two-drop is annoying. But like these cards both feel like, you know, they get the job done, right? They're very similar cards. I don't want to play either of them on turn two if I can help it. Later in the game, I end up wanting the Carver, even though it's kind of awkward. Often I'll have the Carver just sit, sit in the adventure zone for five turns after I use him while I do other things, but I don't really mind. Right. Um, how, how good is uh, Edgewell Innkeeper? Is this like a first pickable card? Yes. Snap. Yes. Okay. One of the better uncommon. Not, I'm, not I mean, I'm not saying it's the best uncommon, but it's... I mean, we just saw Reed Duke playing this card four of in standard, right? Like, it helps to be able to arrange your deck the way you like. Yeah. But <laughs> you get a one-drop. There like, there's a lot of natural adventures. Like, I am going to play Carver. I am going to play you know, Tree Folk. Uh, Twin Veil Tree Folk. You know, at least a few copies, no matter what. If I'm playing the black that I, you know, by default I'm playing... I've got the Swordmaster. I've got the, you know, the Reaper of Night. Sure. Although you don't really draw a card off the seven drop until it's not that relevant. So it's not that helpful. But, you know, already from those few cards, there aren't that many commons. And there are a significant number of uncommons and rares that also have adventure. But you can play a card like Curious Pair at that point, if maybe if you're thinking about it, right? Oh, sure. And Curious Pair comes in certainly with two, if you get two innkeepers and you're in business. Edgewell Innkeeper just feels like it gets you where you need to go. It ensures that good things are going to happen for you. And I'm pretty aggressive about drafting the adventure cards in general because they're just exactly what I want to be doing. Um, like, one of the things that I love is that... Uh, so Twin Veil Tree Folk is, like, the powerful common, right? It's 6-5, comes with two plus one plus plus one counters earlier. So it's going to give you eight power and seven toughness. And this set does not make it that easy to get a lot of power and toughness in a good way. Right? Compare it to, like... I mean, you can compare it to Taller's Beanstalk, but that's like just not a good card. But like you can compare it to other sources of power, right? Like Weapon Rack gives you three plus one plus one counters slowly. This gives you two immediately and then backs you up to a 6-5. And it's just, I find it very, very hard to lose the games where I put counters on something on turn four. I'm not immediately on the, I'm not already on the back foot. I'm not getting milled. I know this thing's coming. It just feels like, they're just so far behind now, right? They're facing multiple large men who are going to probably two-for-one them or at least like put them in an interesting spot. And you're not behind particularly when you do that. And then, of course, you have Rosemont Acolyte, which is like a reasonably solid card. It's one of those cards that like, if I end up playing it in a draft, I'm never that unhappy about it. If I don't play it, I'm not that unhappy about it. Sure. You know, it's about adapting to where my curve is and all that. But if I have an innkeeper... Suddenly, I'm pretty excited. Compare Rosethorn Acolyte yeah. to uh, Beanstalk Giant. Like, Beanstalk Giant seems like one of the few... Uh, I mean, it's uncommon, not common, but, like, 
one of the few ways to really fix your mana at a lower rarity in this format. It's also just, uh, yeah, it's a mana accelerator that becomes a giant man later. It's a humongously powerful card. It's an example of the uncommons, like Order of Midnight, another example of just a bombshell uncommon to go with the Edgewelling Keeper if you get it. Right. Uh, you can take even, you're going to take them aggressively anyway, but you're not just going to have the commons. And so I expect to have like three or four minimum adventures in my deck playing green, black or green, white. Right. Green also just seems like insane. Just like looking at something like Fierce Witch Stalker at common, like just a four, 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 four. Just seems like, I mean, like nothing, it's not spectacular, but you get a token, it has trample, if you have any way to pump it. Like, it's exactly what you want. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it seems like the most par card, or maybe even slightly ahead of par card in that we've talked about. Right, the knock on green is this is the best green common, right? Sure. Sort of the knock, the sort of, and I'm not sure if it's this or if it's out muscle. Okay. Right? Like, that seems like a really close decision to me. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of prefer to start with, with the Witch Stalker just because I want to make sure that my deck is a reasonable place first. Right. But Witch Stalker, it's solid. It plays defense. It plays offense. It gives you the trample that's not that easy to get otherwise. So it's very hard to block. It gives you an extra incidental food token, which is useful for a lot of different things you want to do, especially if you're black. It points in exactly the right direction. But like green, like I, if I'm green... I get to play Fierce Witch Stalker. I get to play Garenberg Paladin, which seems underdrafted to me. That card is very solid, even without Adamant. It's a 5-mana 4-4 that's hard to block, which in practice is pretty powerful in this format. If it's 5-5, I'm pretty happy with it. Uh, and you get Tree Folks. You get three commons that have a lot of power and which do not particularly interfere with your ability to deploy a reasonable curve. Right. And you have a lot of reasonable ways to get there and to stay alive, right? We've got Merit Leaf Rider at common as your two drop. You have Ehrenberg Squire as a backup two drop. You've got Curious Pair as a backup two drop. Those are all perfectly fine things to do to tide you over. Is this the deck that wants the falter? Nothing wants the fault. I mean, <laughs> I don't think even the red deck, even the red green deck, I don't think wants the falter. <laughs> okay. It's just too much mana, I think, okay. just for what it okay. is. But we can talk, I mean, you could think about it. Like, I mean, Green, as far as I can tell, so like Feld of Thousand is obviously a sideboard card. You can't count on them having a, a creature to target it with that's worth targeting. And Return to Nature is also a sideboard card, but it's a really good sideboard card because against blue, you're very happy to have this card. Sure. You know, there's killing so tinies, even though it costs one, is a very good way to either make sure their creature dies or make sure they take a bunch of damage and you get through to them, you can hit a folio, you can cover folio. Uh, and in general, they're likely to have, you know, other things, you know, if they have this, this, the, the tap down enchantment kills that as well. Um, so you've got two sideboard cards, right? Like that you're not thrilled about and you don't really want to play tall as a beanstalk or wolf's quarry, right? Those cards are pretty bad. Right. I mean, it's not like if we had to play tall as a beanstalk, you know, even, it doesn't give trample, which is kind of sad. So like, yeah. you're not just really unexcited to put that on a creature. It wouldn't be the end of the world. I've seen it do things in my opponent's hands where it was like, yeah, it was kind of annoying they played that, but just not where you want to be if you can help it. Uh, and Wild, Wildwood Tracker is, like, just not what this format's about. Sure. But as an emergency thing, you, oh, no, I had to play a 2-2 for one mana. You know, that, like, doesn't necessarily get to be 2-2 right away. That's not the world's biggest tragedy, right? 
And then the halberd is is mediocre. So there there definitely is some chaff in here. So like maybe if people were fighting for green, you could end up with a. I'm not sure there's like as much stuff as I'd want, but you know there's deep enough of, that you could think it's open, but not quite so deep that you won't be like scrambling around four picks in. Right. I think it's like I don't mind taking a tree folk right or a paladin or you know whatever a third say to do my thing. Like I didn't in terms of like getting there. But it's not necessarily a signal that you're supposed to be where you are, right? So you might end up with, oh, this wasn't open. Talk, talk to me about Trail of Crumbs. Is that a, how, how uh, I, this seems like the type of card I expect my opponent to play against me on turn two in Arena a lot. You know, like kind of like that scry card in the last set. Like, yep. You know, it feels I had similar. Two, I had two once, got Mother Labu decks. <laughs> As you do. Felt so ridiculous. I was like, I'm 15 cards ahead and somehow I can't win this game. Like, you know. <laughs> no, um, Look, it's a solid card. Uh, if you play it and you have a bunch of food sources in your deck, your long game is very hard to lose. And because you're, dry, you're, you're sacrificing a lot of food along the way, it's kind of not that hard to to get there. So it's definitely a card. It's like a card that, like we were talking about the wild, the, the, the wildwood tracker. Uh, not the wildwood tracker, but the, um, you know, the, the problem of this game is over. Ooh, yeah. We just haven't figured it out yet. And that's definitely something that this card contributes to like i had these games where i was like i can't believe i'm just gonna lose this trail of crumbs five turns you know five or ten turns from now and okay. i have to sit here and watch it happen because it might not happen but it's definitely like if you don't have something to punish them for it it's gonna take over but it also is i played two mana nothing happened i didn't even i just created a food token right and now i had to pay mana to find cards to then make something happen. right right at that point it's five mana to gain three life and uh, draw a card. Right. So I have definitely included it every time I've drafted it in my decks, but I've also... How many, how many food yeah. sources do you want to play a card like this? Probably four or five before I'm excited. But I mean, I mean look, it, as a... I'm going to spend two mana and then three mana to gain three life and look at the top two cards and pick a permanent. That's a bad deal. Yeah. Right. You have to be doing this at least, I think, two more times over the course of the game. Okay. Before you're happy about this. So yeah, like four or five. Like the trick is that you 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 chain them, right? Because you are looking at the first two, you find more food, and you keep going, right? So I think you need to be doing that to be excited by this card. It is, however, also one of the few ways to actually fix your, situ- fix your mana, kind of, right? Like, in the sense that, like, it lets you impulse on turn three if you need to. <laughs> like, any way to make things, like, work out a little bit better is kind of welcome. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not sure that I haven't been, you know, just looking at it with the bot glasses. But just green seems really solid to me. It lets me do the thing I want to do. And I've had a bunch of decks that didn't have the Premier Commons even very much. They just came together and just worked anyway. Because, like, these cards play magic reasonably well. Right. Um, well, worth noting, just going back to the Trial of Crumbs, I mean, I'm sure other people... Yeah. But, like, if you have other ways to sacrifice food, yeah. besides sacrificing it to itself and paying that mana, yeah. you know, you get to use this ability. Absolutely. Which is pretty sweet. Yeah. And, of course, you know, worth noting in the Commons, there are some artifacts that are worth considering reasonably aggressively. I'm a real fan of Golden Egg. Okay. Um, giving it, getting an extra food token that can also fix your mana in a pinch. Right. Um, Card that has seen a helpful. bunch of constructed play in the in the Doom Patrol deck. Yes, yes, it has. Um, 
you know, Henge Walker is a reasonably good filler card for pretty much anyone if they sure. need it. Yeah. Because everyone's going to have a good, like, if you have five lands, you have Adamant. Right. Right? So eventually this turns into a 3 3 no matter what. Uh, worth remembering that you have it. Wait, what if, what if you don't have Adamant? <laughs> <laughs> on turn five, five lands don't have adamant. Has something gone terribly, terribly awry in this? You format? built your deck wrong. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like if you have three unique basic lands in play, yeah. okay, you screwed up. <laughs> we can talk about someone who's playing one or two mountains with a beanstalk giant for the red six do seven damage, maybe. Right, but like. Uh, no, no, no. Like maybe with two golden eggs, <laughs> like one mountain and one beanstalk and two beanstalk giants. Like, like yeah, yeah, we're talking about a real reach to have that not happen. Yeah. Uh, Jousting dummy is a fine filler card. It's a knight and it's not a human, and it can trade for bigger creatures in a pinch. And sure. it's a two drop. So I like, don't you know don't sleep on it. Scalding cauldron is a very fine removal spell. Oh sure. Um, I mean, it seems pretty... Yeah. It's four mana to deal three damage, but you get to pay it in installments. Yeah. That seems great. Yeah, the bots seem to be taking up the gargoyles pretty pretty aggressively, so I don't see them very much. But, I mean, it's not good. I think you can live with it. Um, like, Roving Keep seems like, oh, I'm not playing green and I actually want to eventually kill someone. Well, i got to have some way to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you will run out of things to do with your mana eventually, right. but, like, you shouldn't be this desperate. Right. Um, Scarecrow is bad, guys. I only mention this because I've seen it in play a bunch, both at the pre-release and then online. Sure. Uh, just to be clear, four mana two four doesn't do anything. If you need to fix your mana this badly, you're in the wrong format. Right. You do not need to do this. Uh, that leaves weapon rack. So I've seen like uh, like Frank Carson's article read weapon rack as like actively pretty bad. Um. Oh, I think I'm, this is wrong. Sorry, by the way, the, the the mill deck is out. I just saw Sorcerer's Broom for the first time. All I want to do is sweep people under the rug with Sorcerer's Broom. You have to find one first. Yeah. Like, that's not a common symbol. I know it's not a common symbol, but who, who wants the broom? It's just me. I want Exactly. Look, if you get the opportunity and you make it happen, what's the trigger you have to do to make it happen? You have to sacrifice another permanent. Yeah, so food, food, food. And then food, you have to food. pay three. So you got to you got to feed the sorcerer's apprentice. Yeah, yes, yes. It's weird synergies. Yeah, um, yeah that's not. Gonna, you're not actually gonna make that happen. I'm not. I know I'm not, but I, I wanted to. Okay, but um, so then weapon weapon rack. I have been pretty happy with weapon rack in general. Like it's, you can say it's not very good, but like. So this is a reverse serrated arrows. Yeah, like it's definitely not exciting on its face, but being able to control very carefully where the counters go, being able to play them pre- play it in advance of where you want them to go, being able to like just have minute control over like exactly how big you need to be, and then have an artifact left over for various purposes that doesn't do anything. Right. You can sacrifice it or you can like have it and play to trigger something. I have found that to do some work. Alright. So it sounds like to me Going into this draft today, yeah. I want to be in sort of like a somewhat priority order. I would like to be green-black. I would like to be uh, maybe green-red. Or I would like to be blue-something that is very, very deeply in on the mill plan. I would say green-black is the default in this format. 
like until people have woken up to the fact that Black Green is the default in this format slash proven otherwise they're willing to like really commit to this. Right. Um, beyond that, yeah, I mean like I haven't actually gotten a chance to draft the red decks necessary to evaluate just how awkward it is to make that work. Uh, certainly you can make red aggression work with a variety of pairs and it can do things. Like the cards aren't terrible, but you have to be really aggressive. Similarly, blue has to be really passive and mill people. Um, if I'm, like if you're going outside the green-black strategy, you pretty much have to have some powerful rares that you'll be guiding your strategy, yeah. right? Like or at least powerful. Uh, opening up rares is also a perfectly reasonable plan for the for tonight for me. I, I would I would happily uh, just open rares. Yeah, I've definitely gotten to the point where if the pro tour was tomorrow, and I opened a rare that was powerful but not in the colors that I want. Uh, I would feel like I should just pass it. Like that's just, you know, I look. I, I'm the man who invent. I'm the man who like follows the rule, right? In many yeah. formats, right? You know, draft action unless everyone else knows the rule. And the first, and the second rule was these days no one else knows the rule. No one's known the rule since there's a saga, as sure. far as I'm concerned. Um, like every really top quality player prides themselves on their flexibility and their ability to adapt to conditions and know what's up. And I understand that in general, if you are fully prepared in most formats and other people are treating the format correctly, that has to be the correct answer in some important sense. But if you don't think people are adapting properly, if you think that they are misunderstanding the relative balance of the colors and strategies, or you think that you are just relatively strong in one area versus another area, I think it, I still consider much more likely than people think that the right thing to do is borrow something very strange, stick to your guns and do the thing that you think is the right thing to do that you are meant to do that fits with how you play and that you know and then if it turns out the seat says you cannot do that then maybe you panic later or maybe you just make the best of it because you're too far gone by the time you can prove it at the panic <laughs> but either way, that's fine it wasn't your pro tour. It wasn't your tournament. It's not always your tournament. You know, risks are a thing. You need to get lucky to win a tournament. Do, do you think give yourself is, that chance? Do you think this is one of those extreme situations where there are where, where like white, which is obviously what you think is the worst color, is a just under no certain like it's just a musical chairs game where you're trying to force one player at the table into white, so you know that three people get the buy. That kind of like, you know, there have been some formats where a color is just so bad or a color pair is just so bad. So you're saying, that, you're saying white has trick? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what the trick would be. I mean, it has trapped in the tower is really the, that, well, yeah. the, the one like big redeeming. Well, I would say that you know, white has playables, right? So, it's, it's not like these formats where a color just doesn't do anything. So if you found yourself forced into white, if you, you, you feel like it's, that's not going to be the, this is not one of those formats where that would be the end of the world. Like, if I'm playing green-white, right? Like, if I'm playing an Edgewell Innkeeper green-white, for example, I think that's something that can work if you get there. Like, that's clearly what the signpost says you're supposed to be doing, so I think you can do that. I think that if you get a bunch of trap in the towers, um, and you understand that white is not your main focus, you can play some magic, right? Like, you can sure. definitely do some, you know, keep things going. But you need your power to come from somewhere. I would say that's the biggest thing, right? White's just not going to give you your power, right? So you need to have your power because um, white's not going to win you the game. White's going to help you, right. right? So your options are you can go white-red, 
hyper aggressive, like a, a hyper aggressive night deck in white red makes sense as a possibility. The Why white do you blue, think that that deck's going to run up against food and, and fall short? I think it usually will. I think you have to be really ruthless about making sure that the deck can do some combination of actually grind out a win somehow and actually put people in difficult spots really quickly. And I just don't want to be there. Right. That's also, but that, that's also not your style of play generally. Not generally my style of play to force that kind of thing to happen. And it's generally the kind of thing that gets really punished when you wake up against players who know what they're doing. Sure. Right. Like even if it were, yeah, both it's sort of those hyper aggressive strategies, I find both get really punished by good players who know how to stop you from killing them. And also just randomly run into bad players in situations where your deck didn't do it. And now you're just sitting there helplessly while they attack you with large men and you die. And so you, you kind of don't, you lose it coming and going. Okay. Um, like the white-blue artifact deck, I think it's possible. And there's some sort of white-black knight deck, I guess, running around somewhere. But yeah, I would, I would do my best to avoid those things. And again, like, it's more like we have some power of punch from our rares, and now we're trying to sculpt around those rares. What what's the uh, rare you most want to open? Like if you're, you know, everyone does their sort of like visualization before they they go. Like man, it'd be great if I could just open this and get a, get off to a great start here in my draft. What what's what's the rare that you've been like? I actually is it, is it folio? Uh no. I mean, so like sort of. Well, I mean, I mean, in the sense it is because I want to play that deck to know. I want to learn. <laughs> Sure. And so that gives me the opportunity to learn. And that's kind of what I want the most from my draft experience right now. So in that sense, that's what I want to open. But in terms of trying to win the draft, like at the Pro Tour, no. I just don't, I don't want to be forced to be that guy. Um, so I'm just looking right now. Because I actually haven't asked myself this question my, uh, much. Right. Uh, Garrick. Okay. <laughs> like, I just saw it. You know, of course, Garrick. Like, let's not pretend it's anything else. Like, what, what about Oko Unlimited? It's blue. Okay. I mean, Oko is a... Oko might be good enough that I just don't care anymore. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm trying to kill you or not. I, either way, I'm thrilled to have this card. Um, so I just, I mean, looking at it, like, what are, the, what are the true bombs that, like, really, really matter to me that I open them that I'm just super excited? I mean, Beating Troll King is a beast if you can make your mana work. Like, it sure. is quadruple green. So... You know, that doesn't, that's not an easy card to cast on turn six. That's a, that's a 12 5 mana base. That's trying to be an 11 6. Yeah. I don't, I mean, or 11 7 or 12 7, 12 6 or something like that, I think. At that I point. was just going to say, or, or an 18th land at that point. Right? Yeah, I mean, Garrick, I think, is just like so powerful. Um, I once opened a Harmonious Archon, then I drafted a white deck. Oh, so sorry. I'm sorry. Very mixed results. How was how stolen? The by Archon the, was great, though. How was stolen by the Fae? I had it once. It was very good. Um, not as... The problem is you have to match the... X is not up to you. Sure. Right? So you often have a situation where you either can't afford the X that you want or you don't have a high enough X that you need. You, you don't get to... like Your opponent taps out on turn five to play a five drop. You don't get to untap and bounce that generally. Right. You never quite get to do the thing you want to do, and it's annoying. Okay. And, like, it never quite works out. Like, there's a... I mean, we're talking about Mythics here, right? Like, Questing Beast is also just a giant Oh, house. sure. 
Well, I mean, that's or that's rank, like that's got to be your dream. I mean, that or rank all, you know, like, that and Garrick have to be your dream cards, right? Because you're yeah. not only drafting a super powerful, hard to deal with rare, but you're in the color you want to be in. Oh, absolutely! Like you know, Realm Cloak Giant is a really exciting card if you don't mind the fact that it costs white <laughs> mana to cast. Right, and it seems to be at odds with what white wants to do, which is play small creatures beforehand, right? Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, I've had a chance to play with the bulk of these, a lot of these rares, and a lot of these cards are super exciting. Uh, Wicked Wolf is as advertised, for example. That card just makes people cry. Yeah. Right? Like, you just eat something, and then it's indestructible whenever it matters for the rest of the game. Um, you know, Yorvo is when you draw the three forests, just like completely unfair. Right. Like, just that's not fair at all. Like, neither is Lovestruck Beast. Like, Return of the Wildspeaker is just like, why did green get the best draw card, draw card drawing card in the set? It's like, you have an overrun that you feel bad using as an overrun, because think of all the value you just lost. Like, <laughs> how is that a thing? Right? Um, look, there's a lot of really solid rares in this set. Then I'm happy to open. Um, right. But I mean, like, look, if I just start once upon a time, like, I'm not complaining, right? Like, let's just let's just get on with it. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited yeah. to draft. See how it goes. I will. Uh, I will. Hopefully, you you'll get a chance to watch uh, the draft. I know you're not going to be able to hang around and play. Yeah, I mean, I, I can bird it. I, I don't. Yeah, I, I think the timing is just such that like I could play one or two rounds tops. Probably just one, and it's just not worth drafting to do one round in general. Right. Um, so, all right, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Uh, we'll be back with more Top Eight Magic. All right, so we pick things up. Post me talking about his impressions of Limited, and I'm back with Michael J. Flores. So, what you're saying is I'm playing second fiddle to a. Magic the Gathering Pro Tour Hall of Famer on a podcast? I absolutely did not say that. Wouldn't be the first time. Okay, uh, so I, what are we talking about? I, I'm like in Medius Race here, like this is like chapter 15. So, Do I know who the Dramatis Personae? What's going on? I mean, that, that's just me and Zvi. Zvi watched me draft, so he and I talked a little bit about the draft. Yeah. Uh, his takeaway was that you really kind of wanted to be green-black. I... I mean, you can't just force green black because well, said first so. of all, no, that that's correct. He wasn't saying that you do that, but he's like, that's what he would like to force if oh, he was okay. if he had his druthers. I mean, I opened up a baked I, I baked in a pie, uh, first pick, and I took it. So, talk, talk to me about a baked in the pie. So, you would have been happy. You just want to sit in this this place here. Is that better than sitting in the park? No, not going? better than the park. There's all sorts of weird noises in the park. Do we want to sit here? No, I want to sit in the park. Oh, I, I oh, want I, weird noises. I'm sorry. I forgot what podcast I was on. Yes, yes. You know, I got spoiled by sitting in an office and using a microphone. Ooh, God forbid. So okay. fancy. So. Uh, you have a microphone now? Sort yeah, of. Yeah, I know. I know. So. You would have been happy to take a murder first pick. Yeah, I would generally in be most happy. Formats, yeah, right, yeah. So a murder for so a murder for one more mana. It's exactly a murder, right? For one more mana. Yes. And then except that you sometimes you gain three life, yeah. Or get mean, other what do you foods. Mean you sometimes well, gain. Well, sometimes you get to sacrifice that food and gain three life. Oh. 
I'm just thinking about just I, I don't know. So, sometimes the food does other things. Nobody sacrifices food for three life. It's just not done. Of course you do. There's in all limited? kinds of things to do with food. And not in limited. And limited. Bring back troll kings. Yeah, well, if that's your draft deck, then you're great. I did not gotta, see a troll you gotta king. Flip cats. All right. So he said you should have been green black. What I mean, he was like you that were, was his. Were you mono red? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yes. In game three, as I watched you play, it looked to yes. me like you were a very dismal mono red deck that could not cast any of its spells despite hitting its land drops. I, well, I didn't also didn't hit my land drops, buddy. You had three on three, bro. Yeah, I, you know when we left, it was turn six. <laughs> Look, man, you put three mountains in front of me. I ain't complaining. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I ended up with a reasonable-ish deck, like lots of really good removal, um, some medium creatures, you know. But uh, it, it was fine. I, I got run over in round one, actually by a green-white adventure deck that was so good. Had the innkeeper. So the innkeeper in a dedicated adventure deck. I mean, that's got to be a relatively late pick, right? Had Lucky Clover. Shut up. Yeah. That's the constructed deck I had, tried on, on Arena last week. Had Lucky Clover. Had the Selesnia, 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 Selesnia. I mean, you know. Of course he did. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, that kind of grindy, yeah, many the, many pips dedicated. Yeah, yeah, and, and the deck was the deck was actually just awesome. Uh, pretty, pretty sure she won the tournament. Um, Cynthia was my opponent round one, round two. Uh, I just drew my removal. Yeah, and then a couple creatures. I had the uh, four mana discard two, seven mana make a four or five adventure card that card was really good when i drew it in the correct sequence oh yeah you know like swamp and uh three other lands but uh, i ended up with like two baked in the pie two of the uh of the new lightning bolty kind of card whatever the oh, new the, volcanic hammer the adamant three drop one no the one that one's <laughs> no no the one that's just like three damage to a creature or planeswalker exile it for two Oh. I had two of those. I had the five mana adamant one that's like five to something and three to a player if it's adamant. Like I had a lot of removal. Your deck sounds like it had a decent ceiling if your opponent was not a, like, if they weren't a bomb deck, your deck seems like it had a decent yeah. ceiling, but it was very clunky sounding. I, actually, I, I was, I, I seemed like, felt like I was more vulnerable <laughs> to the synergy deck. What, what time is it? It's 641. People are marching. 6.41 on a Friday. Let's have a march. Yeah, why not? This is nonsense. So anyway, I don't podcast is getting recorded yeah, right now. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. What are they protesting? Look, it's just like, this is like our new podcast, Park for 129. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the, the draft didn't go. The draft seemed fine. My, my experience was bleh. But uh, I, did, I did take a great henge. And oh, I nice. did take a foil, uh, Javier Dominguez. Oh, so cards I need for constructing. Do you? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to buy... I think. I, Do you want the foil Javier Dominguez? Not really, because I'm not going to have four foil Javier Dominguez. That was also, my point. I'm going to get freaking confused, because like half the cards have these like no borders. So here's the thing. I have always been kind of a dick about alternate art cards. Like I always just want to play alternate art cards, yeah. but I want them all to match. Sure, right? of course. So like... You know, I'll be at a tournament, people are like, hey, let me see your deck, and like, 
Chris Manning or Aaron Murnaka will be like, somebody won a lot of F&Ms. I didn't win any F&Ms. I bought those cards. <laughs> but I want them all to match. That's all. Right. So if I had a foil Javier Dominguez, you know, first of all, that guy doesn't have any text. He's less a raging goblin, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm just going to have not foil ones. And then now there's these crazy, there's like different qualities of not foil now, right? Yeah, there's also, there was a lot of stuff going on today where people were just like, kind of freaking out a little bit on release day about what they could get and what they couldn't get um, in what packs and how you know how, how to identify the different types of cards it's booster fun I saw I saw a tweet today that listen the, to that glorious siren that the printing is like bad like the, the, the art's super dark on some cards yeah, it's a little dark the booster packs feel weird yeah the booster packs packs feel a little bit like party balloons. Maybe. Magic's doing so good this year because they cut production costs a lot. Uh, one plus one equals three when you don't pay half the salaries, bro. Did you see how many people like there were like there was like a line out the door for drafts tonight. Oh yeah? I mean that first draft I was in filled up at like three o'clock. Yeah, so you texted me. How many drafts do you do? I just did the one. It's Sorry. slow. <laughs> I, mean, I got there, and then I immediately got a spot in the next draft, and I got a spot for you, and then I watched you play, and then I was just like, uh, I'm going to be out of here at, like, 11 if yeah. we actually do this. this is, so this is something Zvi talked about a little bit uh, earlier where he felt like this format was running up against his wife equity. Like, he doesn't have the ability to be like, where you know, where, you know, his wife will be like, hey, Zvi, I need you to do something. And he can't be like five minutes. I've got to finish this match. I mean, do you it's know, like twenty minutes. I got to finish. This do you know match. how much strain I put on my on my marriage in like the early half of the two thousands, just on moto oh my every God, night? Listen, helicopters, Mike. Oh my God, it's like you're, it's like you're in paradise. It's like it's like you're out. It's, really, it's really nice. Out. It's a little lying, chilly, but it's really lying nice on a out. beach in Hawaii. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just play constructed. I think like the second turn Oko's are probably going to win the game so, pretty so fast. What, so, so what should Zvi be playing? Constructed. He's going. He's going to the Mythic Championship. When is in that? First week in November. I think. The, like so, obviously there'll be a lot of time to like yeah, for decks to decks settle. Decks are going to marinate. There'll be another Mythic then. Championship before it. Shut up. Yeah, there'll be Mythic Championship five in uh, Long Beach. Only on computers, right? Right. Only on computers. Okay. So I think the best strategy. It's a new. It's a new thing. It's the MPL versus the bots. Yeah. And they're actually going <laughs> to let the bots play. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. They've gotten really smart from drafting all this time. But the and bots are bad at drafting, <laughs> I hear. Oh yeah, but it's because they're constructed specialists. Oh, yeah. Am I a good bot then? Yeah. <laughs> oh god. So, <laughs> so I don't know if you. It, we're on manadeprived.com. That's who nicely. Actually, we're not. We're on magic.face2face.com. Sure. Even though our promo stuff at the beginning of our podcast all says manadeprived.com, despite the fact that they've had a change in branding and ownership, they have not changed our beginning bumper. Despite the fact that they put it up there, we don't even yeah. put it there. Call out to uh, whoever thinks about these things. Yeah. Uh, so we're on that site, and I don't know if you ever listened to it, but KYT, our patron, our padrino, in the parlance of Mayans MC, and uh, Alexander Hain, a Pro Tour champion, before they were called Mythic Championships, have like their, uh, I mean, they jokingly say it's like a Top 8 Magic clone podcast, yeah. Table for Two. And I was listening to one. First of all, I love this podcast. It's, yeah. it's uh, it, 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 I don't know if, if you listen to it or not, but I really enjoy listening to it. And uh, one of the things that was funny is they were talking about people who are specialists in different deck types, especially in modern. 
I'm just listening to this. And Alex was talking about how he's coming up as, like, a blue-white control player or whatever. But then he eventually, he had to learn this aggro deck because it was the best deck for a format. And he ended up top eighting a Grand Prix or something later, did well at the Pro Tour. Didn't, didn't make top eight, but he ended up doing well. And the conclusion they came to was, like, people who are specialists at something. I'm just thinking about myself. I'm like, I'm a burn specialist. Roman Fusco says, I am a god-tier burn player and deck designer. I'm just like, I'm shining my fingernails on my sweater while I'm listening to this podcast. And Alex is just like, she means they're just bad at everything else. <laughs> and I'm like, lol, that's me. I'm barely good at the burn. <laughs> barely. Yeah. Do they have constructed at Uncommons anymore? At all? I mean, certainly not on release day, right? I, I looked on their website. They, they didn't seem to have it. I I wouldn't mind. You know, we met Roman playing constructed there that, you know, years yeah. ago. I, I finals the... I finals the PPTQ there once. I won some Grand Prix trials. You know, I, I liked playing Constructed you there. You have to Montessi for, for Constructed. I Montessi basically every week, but this place is... Yeah, I could walk home it's from really here. Convenient it's, for really, me it's, it's really convenient for me just, with work. I just figured It's like out. a 10-minute walk from work, right? Yeah. And we kind of we get out fairly early on Friday so I can get in that early draft. Yeah, so... Sweet. I mean, if this were... I mean, nothing against Montessi. I, I've been playing... I made a lot of friends, you know... David Tao is one of one of my really good friends now. I met from Montessi. Um, and the you know the the reality is this place is super close to me. Yeah. I mean half the reason I play at Montessi, I mean land lives around the corner from Montessi right. though. Yeah. So whatevs. Anyway, to get back to what you're saying, so the bots are bad at everything else you're saying? That's <laughs> to bring it back to your idea. Yeah. Um, so what what do you what should Zvi be playing at the Mythic Championship right now? Like what what do you think is very good. You said, there. oh, these are these cards I need. Like, Hands down, the best strategy, as far as I can tell. This has not been... I looked at the last two sets of 5-0 deck lists from the MTGO deck list dumps, you know? Um, I looked at the last two sets. Uh, this strategy was not in either of them, but this is by far the best strategy, as far as I can tell, is uh, an Abzan deck, which includes, like, a very heavy wolf theme. Okay. So it will be... So the kind of the fix when the fix is in it's you got whatever you got because you're getting at five now right so it's Tulsimir Friend of Wolves on five followed by Garuk Cursed Huntsmaster of the Fells on six yeah and so you bust out the double wolf what about one to four what I we'll get there in a second okay so you you bust that you bust that action out you make two wolves they trigger Tulsimir you gain some life the wolves combat right and then they, they'll probably... If, if there's two of them, right? So they might kill something. They might kill two things. Right. doesn't matter. What you want to do is get the wolves killed. Right. Right? And then Tolsamir and his token buddy and wh- whatever you've done for one through four could just defend Guruk for a turn. Because at that point, Guruk's going to be spitting out five fives. Right? Because that, that's that's the fix. The fix is that's like the Fires of Yavimaya, Blastoderm, Sapperling burst draw. So first few turns, like I said, heavy wolf uh, game plan. Um, I'm going... Gilded Goose. Gilded sure. Goose is a powerful producer of uh, of eggs, of uh, food, let's call it. Um, we got some Wicked Wolf action, which is a beneficiary of food. You got Night Pack Ambusher. I mean, if you're like Ambusher... I mean, Night Pack, Night Pack Ambusher with like the, now let's tap out for, you know, like tap out on my turn for things. 
Yeah, seems but it's a little less. But good. it's a crusade for all your other guys are wolves. Oh, so sure, a crusade. Sure. Oh, she's so playing it like as a pat. Like, yeah, you're just like, all right, they attack you and you have nothing in play, and you're like, all right, ambusher. That's like a two for one. And you're like untap wicked wolf. That's like a five five wicked wolf. You know, if you have food, you know, it's uh, I think, and also you don't have to do anything. You just like, sit back on the ambusher. Now, is this is this a a, a deck in Michael J theory or a deck you've seen people playing? I, I lost to a deck with some of these elements playing the uh, play anything in. Uh, in arena promotion last yeah. week, and I just think it can be super improved. The version we have is like Gilded Goose, uh, Golden Egg, um, Oko. So this is like splashes. It's basically a mono green deck. One blue pip for Oko, one white pip for Tulsimir, one black pip for for uh, Garuk, Cursed Huntsmaster of the Fells, uh, and just wolves, wolves, wolves all around. Um, you know. Oko's stupid. Oko with Gilded Goose is stupid. Sure. Oko with Wicked Wolf is stupid. O- Oko is the card that Z definitely called out right you know, early as being like so, his number one. So if I'm not playing that, I would play like Wicked Wolf, Incubation Druid, Oko, Nissa, Vivian Four, um, uh, Great Henge, uh, Growth Chamber Guardian. So basically like uh, Guys and Planeswalkers, Acceleration, Drop, like, you know. You just go, like, medium-sized guy, Henge, on turn three or four, tap the Henge immediately, Growth Chamber Guardian, draw two cards. Like, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, or, like, Incubation Druid, you literally have Black Lotus online. Uh, yeah, you, you and Zvi are on the same page on a lot of this. I, I literally was on a Facebook, one of my Facebook groups I'm in. They're, like, a player who's widely famous across the Magic Internet for playing medium and large green decks. Is like, I don't know why people like the Great Henge. I tried it and it didn't do anything for me and I'm like, what the hell cards are you playing? And, like, <laughs> and I'm just like and they're like, What are you talking about? And I'm like, why would you just not play with Growth Chain of Brigardian, Love Struck Beast and, and Incubation Druid? Like whatever order you draw your cards in. A little if bit you of a number with Love Struck Beast, right? So here's the thing. I played with Love Struck Beast a medium amount. You just play Love Struck Beast on turn two or three, okay? Yeah. Right? I mean, it's a little chunky depending on what your what your food availability is, but but you just play it on or if you play it with Arboreal Grazer, it doesn't matter, right? Just play it, and then and then you're like, uh, Great Henge the next turn. Your worst case scenario is the Love Struck Beast is turned off. Maybe or maybe not, right? Depends right. on what your sequencing was on turn one. But it's kind of okay. Love Struck Beast is just a moat at this point. It's a very good moat, okay? Sure. And you're just like, I think you're okay if you're drawing like three cards a turn and you're like, all your cards are like, like your whole squad is ancestor recalls and black lotuses. <laughs> like you're like you're like all right, growth chamber guardian. Draw four cards, make twelve power or something. You know, like, and you've got this insane mana engine already. You could just tap for Nissa, right? Like you're, you have this huge mana engine, and then incubation druid is also dumb. So you could go a lot of different directions with this. I think if you're like playing a dedicated plus one plus one counter strategy, you can go Karn's Bastion. Like I mean, just base green deck, right? play some Karn's Bastion, maybe with some Nissa's Triumph. You know, you're already a Nissa deck. Like, you know the mono green deck I won, like, seven FNMs with or something? Yeah, like, yeah. Alright, so swap out the stuff that's no longer legal, and, like, put Oko and, Oko and Gilded Goose in there, and put a few blue lands. I, 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 <laughs> there's a lot of precedent for this deck winning tournaments. Yeah. You know, like, I think, I think that's fine. Um, you could just put... Uh, I tried like a lot of like fair and medium fair big big creature decks. They all stink. Right. I got. How do you feel about all these? Like you're seeing like agent of treacheries running around to steal 
Field of the Dead. Yeah, I don't know. Like all these big man at X running around like everywhere. I don't know. I, I I'm, that seems miserable to me. I mean, I agree that it seems you know there's some play play st- play patterns that aren't exciting, but that doesn't make them you know not good. If or, people are actually doing that, I'm I think I'm missing the Chandra Spitfire. <laughs> Like, let's play Magic the Gathering. You know, like, you know, people can't get too comfortable. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're like, ah, oh, you know what I'm going to do for the first three turns of the game? Nothing. <laughs> then I'm going to cast a seven drop. What do you think? I'm going to say, like, well, I think you just took 12. <laughs> what does that put you at? Negative three. <laughs> like, come on, man. They printed like an eight pack of new one one creatures with haste for one, in this in, in a in a format where if you attack with creature, they literally made a card that said if you attack with creatures that have one power, destroy your opponent. <laughs> it's like a card; it costs two, right? <laughs> but you just be like one drop cavalcade, two one drops <laughs> next turn, like and then like a burn spell. Like what are they gonna do? They also in a mono green deck. I'm sorry, mono red deck. Their burn spell now does four for three. And they and the other thing is the the forecasting cost guy is dumb. That card's fantastic. They used to make you discard your hand if you played that card. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like, that card used to be like discard your hand if you have this card in play at the end of the turn. Now it says four four creature. <laughs> it doesn't say four four. Creature. It says two four creature, but it's four four. But yeah. So you're not you're not uh, you're not excited here. Sort of what do you mean I'm not excited here? I mean I I just I just don't want to play some deck with a bunch of seven drops and like I I, I don't know. I used to you, play. How a, many tour brands do you have so far? I don't. Oh, on on arena or in real life? In real life. Zero. In, and I think zero also on arena. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting to do the fifty for fifty promo. Yeah, we talked about it too. Forgot about it again. So, uh, what, what's your next big tournament? What do you have coming out? PTQ is not until December. I was thinking about playing in the Legacy Classic in Philly on Sunday. Yeah. I'm, like, non-zero to do that. What would you play? What do you think? Okay. Uh, you know, the Legacy Grand Prix that Storm happened... it is. Legacy Grand Prix that happened two weeks ago, Mono Red Deck in the top four, and I see clear areas of improvement to this deck list, <laughs> and I'm like, all right, he got a lot of stuff right, and... Yeah. Like oh I I'm like oh I see what he did there that's pretty good that might be right and then well, tell what like what oh I just the main main thing in his list is moving uh, exquisite firecraft to the main deck so I don't know if you know like the history of exquisite firecraft in kind of big format burn decks basically Patrick Sullivan played in a team event I think like when like back when the team events were like one legacy player one modern player one standard yeah. player. Uh, and he just had it in his sideboard for the blue-white control decks that had uh, counterbalance. Yeah. So, look, in the, you're getting the late game. You just you just might lose to the counterbalance deck, right? But if you get two cards in your graveyard that are of the appropriate types, the card can't be countered, right? So, people slowly after that, right, kind of adopted Exquisite Firecraft in their sideboard with mono red decks for for Legacy. People started doing it in Modern. I have never registered an Exquisite Firecraft in my sideboard in Modern, ever. I think it is unlikely I ever will. Uh, but playing it in the main deck in, in Legacy seems compel- compelling to me. 
kind of like that idea. Uh, they sacrificed a lot of searing equity to do this, right? So <laughs> we were we were like kind of the eight pack four plus four searing plus smash the smithereens chums for a long time. This deck is Wayline of the Void and those kind of cards in the sideboard. So kind of taking multiple different kind of comers and. I guess going for a more singularly coherent strategy. Which is like, that's not how I've ever approached Burn. Like, I've always kind of been like, in the matchups that I can win, I want to win by 100 miles. And then the matchups that I lose, I hope not to play against. But like, but you pick your spots. You're like, I'm just going to play this this week that's not popular. I don't know. I would play Mono Red. Um, but, you know, I'll have to put my deck together and probably find some way to get to Philly in the next 24 hours if I'm actually going to do that. I mean, that. you can just say something to Lan, and Lan will be like, let's go. Yeah, but nobody has a car. It doesn't matter. That's not going to stop Lan. No, I I can find my way there. Sorry, it's just yes. annoying. So, I said, Lan, I really want to watch Escape Plan 3. Do you want to watch it? And he said, sure. Come over. <laughs> and then... He bought Escape Plan 3. On, like, a Laserdisc? Uh, no, like, on like off of, like, iTunes. Oh, really? In high def. Yeah. Which was a mistake, because it made their makeup look really bad, because the movie was super cheap. Yeah. But he also just bought Escape Plan 1 and 2, So because he hadn't seen them. I'm, I'm just surprised that he did that, because Lan hates streaming. Because he says that, like, whenever there's, like, a... No, he wasn't streaming. He bought the movie. He bought them through iTunes. No, no. Yeah, I understand. But, like... Oh, oh! He bought it and then downloaded it onto the machine. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he hates any kind of, like, watching a movie on, like, any streaming yeah. service. Because, like, he says, like, whenever there's, like, a, there's a blip sometimes, right? You know, because it's streaming. Yeah. He, like, he goes monkey tilt if that happens. Sure. Which seems like, like a weird leak to me. But people have leaks, right? And this is his. And he's aware of it, right? right. So he's yeah. just like... So he just has, like, if you've been to his apartment, he has, like, a bazillion insane. physical... Insane. I'm going to say laser discs. Insane collection of media. Insane, insane collection I mean, of he, media, books. He got me into the Rick Remender X, Uncanny X-Force, which I'm rereading right now. Yeah. So, from, like, 2011. Oh, my God, it's so good. He just, he just, uh, I did, like, an AMA on Twitter the other day. Oh, yeah? Just, like, whatever. I was just, like, whatever. You know, not, not an official anything. I was just, like, just ask me anything. And he's, like, what, what comic should I buy? So I told him to buy Hempel and Wheatley's Breathtaker. Because there was, like, high degree of difficulty of finding it, I thought. Yeah. He just went and bought it. But for any amount of money, right? Yeah, I mean, it was. I don't think it was that expensive. It's not, like, a super well-known book. All right, so I was talking to him, because I read this on digital last month, because on Marvel Unlimited, which I know Land doesn't have, right? Because he doesn't, he doesn't like that. Yeah, he yeah, like, he likes some, likes the He buys omnibuses. Like, so he'll wait 10 years to read a good story, because it's, like... Because it's so big yeah. or whatever. He had so all your Hickman, he had all the Hickman stuff because I, of you. I think those are my copies. <laughs> they went from you back to me to him. I, I'm eighty percent sure I those are they're, mine. They're on his bookshelf. Okay, so shelving is nine tenths of yeah, the okay, law. Yeah, well, it's fine. Um, so uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so I I read this thing which is called X Men Sism, which is a story from close to ten years ago. It's about like Wolverine and Cyclops getting in a fight, and then like the 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 mutants that follow Cyclops live in California, and then the mutants that follow Wolverine all move to New York City, and he founds the Jean Grey School, which is on where the Xavier School used to be, right? Yeah. So, and that sets up. Jason Aaron's X Men, um, uh, Wolverine and the X Men, which is like the best X Men of like in forever, right? So, so I was telling him, I was like, I was really surprised because this is just like one of those like events, you know, like Marvel tentpole events that used to set up some book that they want you to buy, right? 
but it was really good. And he's just like, oh, it's good enough that I should buy it because he hadn't read it. It's like it's it's not an obscure story, but like it's one of those things that it's a book for fanboys. It's not a book for yeah because you actually want to read a good story, right? So. So, like, I didn't say, I just didn't even text him back for, like, two days. So, I'm just going to, oh, I'm going to just go to buy this for him. And then, like, it's I, it's out of print. And, like, it's, like, $90 on Amazon. I'm like, it's not that good. <laughs> but it's not, it's, so, the thing is, my frame reference is it's not good enough to pay any amount of money for if I can read it for free at Marvel Unlimited. Well, not free, but, yeah. I mean, I, whatever, I pay 60 bucks a year. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, that's... Speaking of comics, Comic Con this weekend. Are yeah, you? I'm not, are you you're not, I'm not going either. I'm not going. Did you, I, did you? Did you get stuff and refuse them? I refused my. I had some offers. So I refused. What, what offers? To go to Comic Con. Uh, I mean, I I just didn't get any passes for it. Oh no no no! no. I, so, like, if I went, like Bella would go, maybe Clark would go. But we'd go on different days yeah. as tagalongs, so we wouldn't be together. And the other thing is, like, it's real, like. If you've never been to Comic-Con in New York, it's like walking through a crowd all it's, the entire it's, time. It's, it's, it's oppressive. Worse, it's worse than San Diego Comic-Con in terms of human crush. It is not as populous as San Diego Comic-Con, but it's close, and it's in a much smaller venue than the San Diego Convention Center. So, I mean, this is a huge venue for New York City, but it's like, it's a pre- it feels oppressive. I, I, I actually have gotten to the point where the thought of going is actually anxiety-inducing for me. So, I'm not, I'm yeah, not so. going. I have some friends in town I'm going to see and say hello to, but I'm not actually going to step foot in the convention at all. Yeah, I mean, I might go next year. Uh, if I go, like, me and Bella go together, and she, she wants to... I was talking to Jerry Thompson about this last month, actually. She, she wants to start cosplaying, and I was asking him his opinion about uh, a thing, an idea that she had. He was very supportive about her quitting playing magic whatsoever and instead cosplaying this one character. Did he tell her to talk to you? Nissa cosplay? No. Why? I, I don't know Nissa cosplay. Okay. But I'm friends with Ashlyn Rose. I talked to okay. Ashlyn Rose. It's a good good person to talk to as well. Yeah, she's a good cosplayer. Um, all right, Magic the Gathering. So we talked about Magic the Gathering a ton last time you and I were together and I assume in the voluminous number of podcasts you've done... <laughs> Was V without me that you guys mostly talked about Magic the Gathering? It's I, true. I get notes from you like, oh, should I do this and this? First of all, I had already listened to the podcast, so I know this is coming from. I'm like, why do you ask? Well, as V said in this podcast that, yeah. Nobody asked me about things I say on this podcast. As V says something, people will call me up and ask me if that's what they, <laughs> they should do. Yeah. Um, I think that V overrates Once Upon a Time. Uh, sure. I, I think that uh, I think that his estimation of the card is higher than what it currently seems like it is based on results. Well, not just based on results, just based on. I, but I mean, it may be a case that the card is not fully explored yet. It's good. Don't get me wrong. It's good, but like the decks that can best exploit it, which are decks that typically have mana open on their opponent's turn. You can't get the things that those decks want with it. That's yeah. the thing, right? So if you hit, you're like, oh, I hit my land drop. That's not exciting. You could have played another land, right? Um, and then so you can't get things like counter spells or bounce spells or removal. You could just get guys, right? right. So well, except that 
you can get a bounce spell if you're getting Brazen Borrower. All right, so or you can get a counter spell if you're getting Mystic Snake or from Mystic. Yeah, so so like there are things. I tried it in that deck. Yeah, and I was woefully underwhelmed. That's why I. You know what card is not nearly as good as I thought it would be? Brazen Borrower. Yeah. I was super disappointed in, in its practical play. Like, in my imagination, this card was, like, a killer on the order of Mistbind Click and a disruptor on the order of Into the Royal. Yeah, yeah. And in practice, I was just discarding a card and then losing my guy in combat while their guy lived. <laughs> like, that's all that happened. Like, right now, it seems like Forest rules the world, and yeah. a 3-1 ain't beating anybody. Sure. Certainly not getting past John Becker's Giant Spider. I mean, it, it, it never would. There's your Siren. That was more of a honk. No, that is your honk. Um, Speaking of honk, like, are you looking forward to seeing Joker? I am uh, not really looking forward to seeing Joker. So you're not going to see Joker? I don't know. I, I like. I certainly want to see it because I want to be able to, you know, form an opinion of it. Yeah. But I'm also not certain I really want to put any money in Todd Phillips' pocket over this. I mean, sort of the way he's handled it has sort of been a little... Okay, explain this to me. So, Todd Phillips used to be a comedy director, right? I mean, he made the Hangover movies and, like, I think maybe he made... Old old School, school I think? Yeah, Yeah, so... um, But the people like those movies. Sure. So, what what has he done wrong? Uh, I mean, I don't really... I know, I don't know the story. I don't really want to get into this, but I mean, it's just like, you know, it's just sort of like fetishizing like this idea of someone who is feels like they're entitled to some sort of special treatment by the world and therefore goes on a killing rampage. Is it like, it seems reminiscent of Taxi Driver? Yeah, I mean, certainly certainly reminiscent of Taxi Driver, reminiscent of King of Comedy. In fact, I think actively references both of those movies by by having Robert De Niro in it. I I actually love both of those movies in in the context of the time I saw them. And I'm curious, I actually kind of want to go see see both of those again now I'm curious how current climate cultural climate has impacted them well um, I made a mistake as a father uh, I asked Bella if she wanted to see Joker tomorrow and she said yes and then I talked to Catherine I'm like alright these are my plans for the weekend I'm doing this and this it's so, like me and her are hanging out in the morning then I'm meeting David Tao to do like a but we're, when I say hanging out I mean like we're gonna go for probably like at least a three mile run right like early in the morning then I'm going to go do a CrossFit workout at like 9.30 then I'm planning to go uh, then I'm planning to like go see Joker with Bella and she's like hold on buddy what are you talking about I expressly told you she's not to see that movie like we talked about this and I was just like oh I forgot and I'm just like laying on the as many apologetic texts back as I can where yeah. I'm just like I just forgot people forget things blah 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 but so I have to bad guy it now I have oh, to be sure. like maybe she'll just forget she's like 15 yeah maybe and she has like friends and she stuff go see Hustlers instead I've been meaning to see Hustlers I, I, I want to see Hustlers this week that's actually I got, I'm, I'm behind on movies that's the movie I want to catch up I, on do you have the do you have like a, I did of, I did see Angel Has Fallen though is that any good no I haven't seen any of the other Has Fallen movies yeah they're though. all pretty bad but you, that's the point so I do you have any equivalent of movie pass? I do not. So I got the I got the Regal Cinema one. So I'm trying to make sure I do an it, it's funny. I thought that I would just be like free rolling on them. Yeah. I'm not. I'm like Mace. I mean I'm I'm, I'm doing better than break even, but I'm not doing better than break even because so the reason I got it, I went to go see uh Once Upon a Time 
in Hollywood with Catherine. I paid thirty seven dollars, yeah. right, to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So I'm like, this is, and then I saw this ad. It's like twenty three dollars, unlimited movies. I'm like, what? This seems like a, I literally having just paid this, yeah, and then like getting two large drinks or whatever. So I got it, and I, I basically I, I beat break even. I got I got two movies last month, right? So I I I, I beat the twenty three vig. But it's tough, and the thing that makes it negative, EV, is that um, I'm like buying drinks or whatever now because I have like a 10 percent off from being a member. <laughs> I never, I used to always smuggle food in. So, so uh, I saw Angels Falling with Steve. Steve was in town for a conference. Gunga Satan? Yeah. And he, we saw the movie, and it was the opposite of Movie Pass because we paid for the movie, then we spent about $200 on food and liquor. <laughs> In the theater. In the th- in the theater. I spent two hundred dollars on movie. Th- I mean, food. we drank. We drank, I mean, we had to get pretty drunk for Angel Has Fallen. Whoa! Where'd you go to like Alamo Draft we, House? We IPEC. What? IPEC. Is that like Alamo? It's like Alamo oh, okay. Draft House. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It was. It was pretty brutal. I was like, wow, this is like two hundred. It was probably. I mean, it's probably it's like probably like one hundred and seventy bucks when it's yeah, all, it is all, round up. All said and done, but yeah, it was it was substantial. All right, so. <laughs> Uh, if you were still in the business of commentating on Magic the Gathering tournaments, what would what would you be interested in talking about from a constructed standpoint? Which decks have you looked at any of the decks? Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm certainly curious about what Once Upon a Time is going to do, right? Like where where that card's going to shake out. Um, is Oko as oppressive as people are making it sound? I mean, right now like people are pretty depressed sounding about it. I've played against it a bunch. I feel like if I don't have an immediate, I feel like I've lost a lot. I mean, of time. I, I really, I love Reed's like innkeeper adventure deck that he played I, in the MPL thing. I played an innkeeper that lucky deck clover sweet. deck. Yeah, it was like, it, I mean, I think if you get your machinery online, you're it, obvi- you, yeah, you, it's you, exactly I, the type of deck I want to be playing. You, right? you you feel like you're just like all the personal howling minds in the world kind of guy. Yeah. But, like, the deck legitimately has no chance against a dedicated control deck. I mean, sure. it, it's humiliatingly bad against Doom Foretold. Like, I, oh, my God. By the way. It's got yeah, annihilated. That, that deck is just the sky. We watched Huey play in that during the yeah. opening weekend, opening week of, like, arena streams. And, yeah, that deck was just freaking gross. No, I mean, like, the adventure deck has no chance against this. Like, there are other strategies that are going to maul that deck. I, I, actually, I, think I wish that deck had more more planeswalkers than just a fairy. You can't, you're, you're going to end up sacrificing your own planeswalkers. I, I understand. I just want to be able to call it Doom Patrol. Oh. And you, you really can't with just a fairy. Okay, well, that's, you that's know. a good point. Um, it, I think that deck is a paper tiger, though. I don't think it's there to last. Really? I mean, I, I mean it just has so much. Like, what do you do to combat it? It, uh, it feels like a pretty. I mean, you can play instant speed removal like Death Despark. That's one thing you can do. So you don't want to be in a situation where you're playing fair against it with like Night of Autumn. You're already behind if you're in the Night of Autumn zone. Yeah. What you want to do is instant speed removal, or you just want to play Tamio. What if you have Tamio in play? Ooh. Yeah. Deck's unplayable. Fair. The second people realize you just play Tamio, like oh. all these Oko decks are just going to have four Tamio on their sideboard, like. And it's fine. What are you going to side around their Tamios? They also draw a card every turn. I mean, like, <laughs> I got you. I got you. Tamio's not doing anything. I sided out all my thought erasers and all my doomed patrols. And now I have the patrol part, but not the. 
doom part, and then I am a big boy. <laughs> you know, like, like oh, interesting. I'm just going to name whatever card I need. I'm just like, um, thrilled mystic. Well, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, how does that do you for? That sounds sweet. Yeah. Uh, I think that it's not going to take very long for people to figure this out after they listen to this podcast with breaking technology. By the way, that card costs four. Which means that it's in play before Doom Foretold about half the time, but it's in green, which means that it's in play before Doom Patrol. Now you got me doing it. Doom Foretold, like, more than two-thirds of the time. Yeah. It literally blanks all their, their dooms. They got, I mean, I, look, they can ride some murder on it, you know. Yeah. Same as always, you know. You just have some interplay, but the reality is there's a very, very powerful direct answer that like costs you not this is a good card to play right, right. um that's you know been in countless successful decks in the past that I, just mauls the doom foretold strategy i think the other story that i'd be really looking at is how are people making their mana work on the more far-reaching you think attempts i think there's going to be a lot of essentially one color decks the castles are too good yeah. Right, I think like people are going to realize that the payoffs from the castles are high, or do you like the green castle? I I had the green castle and gingerbread cottage in like the first mono green deck I made, so yeah. it's just like seventeen forests or something, and well, it must have been fewer than seventeen forests, but like all this stuff. Gingerbread gingerbread cottage is a forest itself, I believe. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll throw it all together. Um, like I, I mean, my deck was underperforming, so I don't know if the if it was the right. castle's fault or not. The reality is, the castle is not good unless your deck literally has like six drop creatures. So if you're if you're playing like Feasting Troll King, like a lot of cards on the order of Feasting Troll King, then you're gonna get payoff. You're gonna get a good payoff from the castle. But if you're like, you know, like the most expensive card creature, sorry, in your deck is like a Tulsimir then you just never get paid off. Like right. uh, It's actually... I guess if you're, like, green-blue and you've got Hydroid Cresses, then that might make sense. Um, that was a terrible throw. Oh, the throw like, was fine. It, yeah, the, 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 the thing came apart in yeah, the air. That's yeah, yeah, fault. yeah. No, that's fair. Teresa, I will, I will give you credit for the throw. Um, Would the Indians not make the playoffs? They... No, I don't believe they made the playoffs. They, they, so I read something. I was looking to see, like, what the playoff seeds and stuff were. Yeah, no, the, so the, Met, the Mets were playing a four-game series against the Indians, and the Indians called the Mets a fringe playoff team in yeah. social media, and then the Mets, like, kind of swept them or something. So the, I think the Indians lost every game last week. So they were, like, people thought they were just, like, a lock to make the playoffs, I think, and they just lost every game. Yeah. So... I don't know, did the Mets make the playoffs? They, no, the Mets did not make so the they playoffs. So the Indians were right. So, But so were the Indians. Yeah. The Indians were also a fringe playoff what team. Happened, what happened to the Indians? They were, like, very good, like, two or three years ago, right? I mean, they've, they've had a lot of injuries. It's hard, it's hard to sustain success around pitching, which is kind of what they were, kind of like a pitching first team. So okay. what, what are you watching? What are you watching oh, this fall? Okay. Get ready. I'm ready. Um... So we failed to, uh, you know how we have the rolling thing of like what subscriptions we have. Yeah. We failed to uh, cancel cancel uh, CBS All Access in time. So I'm currently binging Star Trek Discovery, which I hadn't watched, which is an utterly acceptable show. To watch. Oh, I, I really like it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fine. 
Where, how far are you into it? Season one. Like, okay. It's like more than midway through season one. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's some things that I, I, I would say. I would say the best moments of the show are still ahead of you. Okay. I believe you. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff that just doesn't make any sense. Like, like if you're going to have a show that takes place ten years before the original Star Trek, and they have like a warp drive that's like inst- instantaneous teleportation across anywhere in the universe, like that's the underlying. I, I would say the, of the I would show. say all the best stuff is still ahead yeah. of you. Like that's a break right there's like um there's just a lot of stuff that's like anti-canonical but it's it's fine i'm not yeah i'm not one of those right sure sure i'm just saying like look the the structure of the universe is not kind of being respected here but i'm not one of those sure i guess i'm really one of those when it comes to ryan johnson and star wars (laughs) but it's just it just he just utterly breaks it just none of it makes any sense if you watch this i'm so excited about his new movie oh the murder movie knives out yeah i can't wait i hope that's good um so uh, I'm watching that. I'm watching a show called The Politician. Oh, I haven't started watching. That's a Ryan Murphy show on Netflix. So, so we have a three-way different um, uh, uh, binging in my house. So me and Bella and Catherine together are binging The Politician. That was me and quite Bella the and Clark are binging Breaking Bad. Me and Bella and Catherine are separately binging Orange is the New Black. Okay. So, oh, you're we're, watching a lot of shows. Yeah, so we're watching that. Uh, no, I mean, these are just shows I'm watching. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm watching the odd episode of Lucifer, which I didn't finish. I'm watching, I, I watch a lot of wrestling right now. Wrestling is in a renaissance period. I don't yes, know if you've read I, about I'm this. Aware, I'm aware of it. Yeah, wrestling is in some kind of a renaissance period right now. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean... I don't know how crazy it is. It's two guys in a padded ring with no clothes on pretending to kill each other. And it's been that way since I was a kid. Right. But trust me, it's in a renaissance. Okay. Not sure why you should trust me on this, but it's it's been good. It's after being lukewarm for a pretty decent period of time, it's it is it is I I cannot engage warm. with you about any wrestling talk cuz I just I'm literally I literally have nothing more than the most passing knowledge of it from seeing like Cedric or Toby's social media I mean I hadn't talked to Toby in like 10 years I talk to Toby a lot right now (laughs) like you know we'll send each other like 20 20 Facebook messages in a day that are each like a paragraph long right Uh, like an analysis or arguing Toby's a really really passionate wrestling fan yeah oh yeah so uh, and he's you know always has been so but I mean, Toby is like, Toby super exemplifies this concept of the smart mark. So a mark is somebody who like buys into wrestling. Sure. And like, at the core, everyone who's a wrestling fan should want to be a mark, right? That's the thing. That's kind of the, that's kind of like the trigger wrestling. Like you want to buy in, right? Right. You want to be fooled. Sure. So, you want the yeah it's, yeah. So you, you want to be able to suspend your disbelief. His heart's there, right? But he's always been this thing which is called a smart, a smart like you know reads the internet or something and so yeah. he knows the knows what's going on he actually also worked in the wrestling field yeah so i but he so he he's really like a smart mark like they call him smarks yeah and like where his heart is in a certain place and his head is in a certain place and you can like you can you can see the two elements fighting like ferrets in a <laughs> like ferrets in a bag when you talk to toby right like it's always been that way for him, which it's it's kind of a wonder to watch. Right. Right? It's, it's, we're, we're talking about Toby Wachter, yeah. who was one of the really like original text coverage people. Yeah, reporters. 
He was the editor of Metagame.com back in the but before that he did he, he wrote for Sideboard and was like would do all the the magic yeah, yeah, played some played in some Pro Tours I think yeah played in some Pro Tours was involved with the development if you call a deck uh, an Obzon deck a Jank deck he was yeah, so. he was involved in that uh, oh era yes he played in that Pro Tour with me yeah okay I forgot about that <laughs> okay so, there you go. There have been so many. But are, are you uh, just going back away? Uh, yeah. Pastor, are you watching anything new? Any uh, of the new shows that have come on? I mean, new shows that have come on. I watched the new episode of The Good Place and the new episode of Modern Family. Okay. Uh, in terms of new television, the only new television I really watch is wrestling. Or I watch a little. I mean, I was watching Ninja Warrior, but that's over now. Yeah. I get. I don't know. You don't sample the new shows to see what you like. What or? should I watch? Let's see. Um, Prodigal Son is perhaps the stupidest thing I've seen on TV. Okay, so to be fair, The Politician came out last week. Yeah, that's right. That is a new show. So, but I don't... So, just for context, I don't have TV. Okay. Right? So, I literally don't have TV. I have Hulu. So, if show is... So, Catherine was saying to me she was watching the new American Horror Story. Yeah. I said, that's interesting. Where are you watching on? She said, Netflix. So, I didn't want to correct her and say, you're watching last season's American Horror Story. It's new to her. Right. She's not watching 1984. Right. I'm watching 1984. You're watching 1984, right? Yeah. She's watching whatever one was last season. I kind of... I'm enjoying 1984. So, um, you know, we're... So, like, I didn't want to, like, correct her. That's mean, right? Like, I don't... But it's it's new to her. What if she listens two and a half hours into this podcast to find out? She won't do that. She doesn't... I yeah, got you. She doesn't love Magic the Gathering very much. Um, so, let's see. What, that, what else do I watch? Um, you know, I'm, I'm just waiting for my window to... I just finished watching Billions from last season. Right. I'm still... I'm a whole season off on Billions. So, I think I still have Showtime right now. Um, and so, I have no, no burning desire to watch anything on Showtime. Maybe, like, there's, like, multiple seasons of Homeland that I'm behind on I could theoretically sure. watch. Which, I, 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 would, I like I, that show. I would, I would wait until they finally get around to the last season. Yeah. And then catch up. So, like, my TV watching is literally, like, I would rather... But, yeah, it sounded like you were watching Mayans. I watched all the Mayans last week. First Including... season. Oh, first season. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I, where would I even watch the current season? FX Now. Is that an app? Yes. Do I have to have cable to have it? I don't know. A lot of these apps... Yeah. If you don't have TV, you can't use Sure, them. sure. Right? So, so like, I used to... There's a lot of shows I used to watch when we had cable. But right. I don't have yeah. cable anymore. But, like... I, the trade-off isn't that bad for me, right? Yeah. So, oh, there's, there's so much TV to watch. Like, I mean, I'm going to get... Sometime, I, sometime soon, I'm going to get a whole season of Better Call Saul that I that I haven't watched it. See? You lit up when I said that. Well, it's, it's the best show on TV. So, I mean... The, 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 the best two shows on TV right now uh, are both, like, heartbreakers in terms of, like, awards. Like, Better Call Saul, like, Bob Odenkirk should just have won a Best a- a- Actor, but... Rhea, Se- Rhea Seahorn, who plays uh, Kim Wexler. Yeah. Like, the fact that she hasn't won Best Supporting Actress, I mean, what she's she in so before that? good. I don't really, I don't I don't think I've ever seen her in anything. She's in a movie right now that's on Amazon Prime. So, I mean, she's like, in She's in the sequel to Inside Man. Uh, I, I don't remember watching Inside Man the first time, but I think I did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I watched... Like, Inside I, Man is Denzel Washington and... Uh, Jodie Foster. It's a yeah, Spike I, Lee bank heist movie. Yeah, I think I watched it. Yeah. So I watched uh, all of... When I went to Europe in August, I watched all of Killing Eve Season 2 between Ooh. going there and coming back. And then when I went to California a few weeks ago, I watched all of Killing Eve Season 1. 
And I was like, one of the main characters, I was watching the first two or three episodes, I'm like, I don't remember him being in season two. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I watched those in reverse order. I, I, I don't know how I would have processed it, right? So all, all you have is this input of people saying that this is the best show on TV. And I, I watched it it's, starting in season two. It's it's it's, very, it's it's not the best show on TV. And people people are just it's like, it's, cl- it's very good. People are just like killing E. It's super good. Fleabag. It's, Fleabag is fine. Fleabag season two is one of the best things I've ever watched in my life. I mean, I liked it. I, I don't know why season two is better than season one. I don't I don't think it, I I personally I I watched all of Fleabag season one and two in. 24 to 48 hours, yeah. the entire thing. Yeah, that's kind of what happens. All right, so you when you start watching Fleabag, you consume all of Fleabag. So um, I I did that, and I mean, like I I didn't register it as being particularly better than other prestige television that I watch. Like I, 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 I think it's I think it's just like ex- excellent. Like I mean, I don't know. Like I watched so much of it so quickly. Like if you ask me, like is Fleabag like so much better than the Politician? I I would say the Politician might be better. Like the politician's very good. Like you're probably gonna end up watching politician, right? I'll Unless probably, you don't hate Gwynny or anything, do you? No, 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 no. I, I and I, I just I'm 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 a little overloaded on Ryan Murphy material right yeah. now. So, I but mean, I mean, I, lo- I I really enjoy his those stuff. Those guys just, are like so prolific and diverse. Like they do so many different things. And the thing is, the stuff that they do is so not just different from each other. Yeah. You know, but like different from themselves. Po- Pose is one of the one of the top three shows I've watched. But like they did Pose, Glee, American Horror Story, 911 on Fox. Oh, I didn't know that. 911's like the just like I don't watch it, but it's like the show about like 911 operators yeah. and like I mean, these and it's just like it's just like weird crazy over the top you know it, disasters that they have to rescue people can from. Can you imagine so disparate of a create creations as not just American Horror Story. American Horror Story, Roanoke, or American Horror Story, Asylum. I, I still haven't seen Roanoke. Roanoke that's the one. Se- I know. That's up, right? I know. That's the one season I haven't. I mean, they're watched. all left up, right? But like, I'm specifically thinking of American Horror Story, Roanoke, and Glee. Yeah. Okay. Like, like the. Have you, have you watched Hotel with Lady Gaga? Yes. I, I think that might be my favorite season. I mean, all of I guess like. That one airs on stylishness. So if that's the one that you like a lot of American Horror Story, I think you really like The Politician. The Politician, every scene, Bella just, just like shakes her and she's like, they're so well-dressed. And the thing is, like, it's not like... It's like, I Pose is a fashion show, right? No, 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 no. Po- Pose, I mean, I mean, it is, but it's really about, like, 80s... Um, like gay, models, ball, right? Ball, no, uh, ballroom culture. Oh, okay. Like, so, it's, so it's like, it's like you know, like... Everything Madonna steals in the song "Pose" from Vogue. In Vogue, I'm yeah. sorry, is uh, is is what "Pose" is about. And this uh, with with like using all like trans actors and like just marginalized people in all these roles throughout. So the like movie. they're just like, it's they're pushing fantastic. the boundaries of uh, of uh, um, the genre in a sense, right? It, it's so good. It's just like it is. I honestly can't watch it without crying. It's insane. So, and they didn't they also do that one with like the the great the Grey Gardens TV remake? What the hell is that called? Great. Uh, you mean are you talking about Feud? Yeah. Feud, 
Feud, feud was the that, yeah. That's yeah. also Ryan Murphy. That's the Betty Davis. Oh, why don't why um, I think it was Craig Gardens? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's 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 too. Older Two women old women feeding. fighting, yeah, okay. But it's, yeah, it's Betty <laughs> Two Davis rich and old women ba- fighting. Betty yeah. Davis and Lana Turner so, fighting. So uh, they did that, and then they did, um, like, so the politician, it's like, did you see the movie Election, like, back in, like, yeah. 98? or You like that movie, I Yeah, assume. it's fine. I like it. Yeah, but a lot of people, like, love that I know. Movie. I, I don't, know. I don't love it. I really like it. I think yeah, it's, it's good. Really good. Yeah. Right, so politician is, like, better than that from the perspective of being a high school election story. Right. But then it's, like... Also, it has some glee to it, and it also has like a lot of cruel intentions to it. Do you, do you like the movie Cruel Intentions? I uh, no, I think it's a failure of style over substance. Oh, I, but I think it was supposed to be style over. I substance. understand, but I, that's why I said it was yeah. a failure of. I really like that movie, but yeah, like, it doesn't hold up. I mean, I haven't tried to watch it in the yeah. last twenty years. I mean, but back in the day when like Selma Blair is making out with Sarah Michelle Gellar. And then, like you know, I, I had an animated GIF of that. I literally had an animated GIF of that on my on my Windows desktop at the time. Um, you know, that was that wasn't done. You know, sure. And today, here's like, oh, big deal. There's a whole website of this I could watch. It's called YouTube.com. Um, but anyway, like it has a lot of that to it, and it's it's really unbelievably well executed. It has like a ton of elements of things and they're just very tongue in cheek and very obvious about the things yeah. that they're stealing you know sure I mean so. that's yeah I, the, it's interesting the review that I read of the politician that sort of kept me from starting watching yeah. it was that they said that Ryan Murphy was stealing from Ryan Murphy all over the place like they felt like it was just like him being a little bit redundant with some of the stuff he's done on all of his other shows and that it was sort of less than the sum of the parts. Oh, I don't I I don't I mean, think I, that's the case. Yeah. Like I think like a lot of the stuff like I am going to I'm going to watch. Like I've watched a lot of American Horror Story for example, yeah. right? And I the thing I'd say is like that show's very hit or miss for me. And like I, a lot of the time it's like this is just torture porn and it's hard to watch and I'm I'm not getting anything out of watching this person's leg get cut off and then watching somebody eat them. You know like you know, you know what I mean. Like, I didn't get anything out of that. And this is—I'm just watching television. I'm not watching Saw. You know, sure. like if I'm in—if I'm in the modality of watching torture porn, it's different than I'm like. It's like 9 p.m. and I'm watching right. like a basic cable channel. And I, I feel like—I feel like that's a different place. And the, the one of the reasons that I would keep watching American Horror Story is a—I I just had this like thought in the back of my head that there's like a unifying narrative between the seasons you know that i'm just trying to find the clues for and then separately can't believe the same dude who did glee did this (laughs) and glee's really hit or miss i think the first like one or two seasons of glee are phenomenally good and then like i just stopped watching it at some point it was well he's he's going off network he's gonna be like entirely doing stuff on netflix now like everything he does, what's going to happen to American Horror Story? Well, I mean, he's going to finish up his show, like whatever he's oh. still he, whatever. But like all of his new stuff is going to be coming out uh, through his Netflix deal. Um, that's, it must be. I assume they gave him bazillion dollars, not just for his pocket. I mean, just for like, right. like the politician. It looks like it's very expensive yeah. to make. So if if you still have CBS All Access, I do. You should check out the first two episodes of Evil. Oh. Is that good? Uh, so it's it's by the makers of The Good Wife. Okay. Uh, it is Luke Cage. Uh, Guess he didn't have a job anymore. He didn't have a job. Oh wait, anymore. is it his character from The Good Wife? 
No. Oh. No, it's a, he is a, uh, someone who's studying to be a priest. Oh. Who is an investigator for the archdiocese, investigating miracles and possessions and the supernatural. Are you sure I should watch this? You know I believe in all this stuff, right? His um, counterpoint is a woman who was on, um, I'm trying to remember what show she was on. She was on Westworld. She played, I, I think she played uh, Ed Harris's daughter. Oh, but now I'm scared already because you're telling this but and she I'm is, scared of ghosts. She's a scientist. She's a, and so she's, she's the, you know, skeptic, but Benjamin Linus from Lost is also <laughs> on it. And I never watched that AI Batman and, uh, and I, I, Bruce per- Wayne in two different bodies show you wanted me to watch. Yeah. First Adventures. Is this, it good? This is, this is way better so far. It's only two Okay. Outside, so here's the thing. But it makes me happy. Here's the thing. Okay. A, we can't necessarily control what we believe. B, do you not remember the night that you, me, Shark, and uh, and Justin were like trapped by werewolves? Fucking werewolves! Real werewolves! Like people are like in Canada being like, "We live in Canada. There's Wendigo here." <laughs> <laughs> Fuck werewolves! Our Wendigo would eat those werewolves. Yeah, and they might because of cannibalism. <laughs> and Justin Poland would leave the door open Fucking for the Wendigo. See. And you're like, oh, I think you should watch the show about demonic possession. I survived werewolf attacks you should, already. You should watch it. I think you'll really like it. I guess as a werewolf attack survivor, I shouldn't be scared <laughs> of anything. Now I think about it. All right. I, I got to get going. All right. But uh, we will... Sorry, Marcel. We'll try to be better about making episodes of Top like, 8 Magic. Maybe by next week I'll... I, I haven't even ordered cards yet. That's the reason I was asking you is I don't know what to order so I can start playing. But okay. I, I guess there was Constructed already tonight. Yeah. Um, so. so I'll order some cards from Face to Face Games. Okay. Which is the wait? Are we still recording? <laughs> We're still recording. Okay. <laughs> you keep turning the thing. I'm like, am I just talking to you? I now? had to turn it. It wouldn't see my face. I had to. Oh, okay. So um, yeah. So from Face to Face Games, not Mana Deprived, who is the sponsor of this podcast. Okay. I will order the cards and I will play them. I think I'm playing like maybe Mono Red with Cavalcade. Although that seems like a very difficult deck to play. Does it? Yeah. Like it's like a lot of math. I think. Oh, okay. That's what you do. You're the burn expert. You're it's not a burn deck. It's a combo deck. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So uh, it's like it has creatures in it, though. Right. Or I, I mean, or I could just like play like a, an Oko deck. I think you should play the wolf deck. I can make a wolf deck. What do I need? I don't own any of those cards. None, there's none of my cards are translating from format to format. You know, I spent so much money on the last format. I never, I never sleeved up a Liliana Dreadhorde General. I never put a Narset into a sleeve. You know that. I, 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 not, you, you still can. I bought all these Teferis, eight of them. None of them ever had a sleeve. Okay. It's just like, this mono green deck just never loses. Why would I play anything else? So why don't you just Great Henge it up? I have to buy that, too. But I, they're, they're, uh, most of the cards that are exciting ro- rotated. I got, I've got one Henge for you. All right. Well, I got one you. Henge for you. All right. So this has been Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores, earlier Zvi Moshowitz. And evil. And evil for Top 8 Magic. Thanks for listening, everyone.